This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. So a quick few announcements before we get started for the conversation today. First, Kevin's HR, we're gauging access, we're gauging, gauging interest in a, in a crowdfunding campaign on Refunder. To learn more info about that, become an earlier investor, and to learn, of course, to learn about the risks, go to https refunder.com slash Kevin's HR. Next Friday, July 7th, we're doing a hackathon along with the company DevMatch. Hackathon's going to be um, July 7th, 1 to 3 p.m. in Startup Hall, University of Washington. We're actually going to have a hacker solve some of Kevin's HR problems. And then probably the biggest event, July 25th, I'm putting on a, a pitch competition hosted by the Maritime Blue um, Incubator in Tacoma and sponsored by Byron Robinson, uh, Robinson Company, uh, Company. So the pitch competition will be three to five minutes. Pitch however you want to. We're going to have prizes. Like Byron's giving some great prizes. Close.com um, supplying $1,500 in, in sales subscriptions. And uh, ZI County is providing six months of accounting for $99 a month. I mean, bookkeeping, excuse me. So our guest today is Alec Basloff. Alec, ready to be great today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes. I appreciate it. This is going to be fun. So Alec, easy question for you first. What are you doing for fun right now? For fun? Pickleball. Pickleball, that's yep. a pretty something new, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, pickleball was invented in Bainbridge, of all places. I had no clue about that. Yeah. Some people are pretty religious about it. like Especially Bainbridge. They'll, they'll start um, on the side of the court that's closest to Bainbridge, you know, kind of like a Mecca, where you got to pray towards the direction of Mecca. I had no clue know? it was Bainbridge. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, actually, is named after a dog named Pickle. So that's where the pickle comes from. <laughs> oh, wow. I had no yeah. clue. I'm really excited to go uh, backpacking this year. I mean, we, we live in one of the really the most beautiful nature areas in the world. I think it's like the, the American Alps out here. Um, and I tried fly fishing for the first time a few weeks ago, hoping to get some more of that in. Have you, have you gone deep sea, deep sea fishing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My cousin owns a, uh, he produces carbon fiber rods, okay. edge rods. Um, and so he he has a charter that, that goes out and tests out his rods. We went last year for cod and halibut. And you, it was, you, got, you got out of Westport, or you go somewhere else. Uh, where do we go out of? It was close to Westport. Okay. Um, it was oh, I forgot the name of the city, but it was between. Uh, it was on the Columbia Delta on okay. the Washington side, though. So funny story. I used to go deep sea fish every year. I went seven times, right? Number with my son, different friends, whatever kids to me, different people all the time. The first four times. It didn't matter what I ate, what I drank, you yep. know, I was like, perfect, right? Nothing at all. Last three times, like this, I couldn't stand it, right? So like, the third time, like, I can't do this no more. I'm done, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the same for us. I mean, we took the Dramamine, we had the bands, but still, at the hour and a half going out and the hour and a half coming back in was, like, really rough. The hour and a half going in, going out is, like, fucking cool. Brutal sometimes. But then, I mean, the hour that we're fishing, oh, yeah, no fine, matter yeah. how much, yeah, you, it's fine, yeah, it's it's awesome. You're just like you know pulling them out, the giant fish, having a good time. But then, is it worth it? That's that's hard. Yeah. So here's a, here's a story for I've said on podcast before. So one time we were in DC fishing. Of course, you know, so you have to be at bar five. You know, so you have to leave pretty early, and the boat leaves at six, right? Because you know, you bring coolers, bring beer, whatever, whatever. Yep. And so one time we was on there, and these two old dudes, right? They had to be like the 60s, 70s, right? And they're like, they look sea. What's the word? Sea one, right? You can tell they live the whole life in the sea, right? Uh -huh. They had this big ass cooler, right? Like, what the fuck they got, right? 
And she goes, it's like, so boat leaves at 6, like 6.30, the one old guy said the one, do you think we can start now? We should have started at 5 in the morning. Like, <laughs> and so 6.30, I swear, and they put out the, the, a gun on the wall turkey and a case of Schaefer Light. They were done at 7.30. What? A.M.? A.M. <laughs> they killed it? They killed it. Oh, my and God. I, and what? They caught 90% of the fifth. <laughs> All the fish like flocked to them. Like, what the fuck's going on, right? Like, they're the fish for spruce. Because they baited their hook a little bit in the wild turkey, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. But that, I, that, I saw the turkey, so I was done for the whole day. I spent the whole day in the, in the bed that night. I was like, I just, I couldn't take it, right? Uh, so many bad memories for wild turkey. Yeah. Deep sea fishing, man. It's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. When the when the weather is nice. Oh, yeah. When the weather is nice, yeah. When, like, salmon's fishing especially, right? Yeah. Well, I've never done salmon in the deep sea. Yeah. Um, but salmon in the Puyallup River? Mm-hmm. When the, when the run's going, oh, my God, that's so much fun. Yeah. You've got 10,000 people in the river. Everybody's 30 feet apart, but you're still catching the limit if you know, want right? to. Yeah. That's why. I've, I've never done that. I need to, I've never done done. The I think it's going on this year. I need, I need to do that. So. The thing I like doing deep sea fish and salmon is like they just they go everywhere. Under the boat, over the boat. Or like it's so. It's like it's an adventure. Not an adventure. But it's like a more interesting yeah you're not like waiting hours to get no, a bite or whatever no. well, that, that's if you get a bite you know you have a bite yeah i tried i told you i tried fly fishing for the first time this year it's so much more fun than you know the the traditional sitting there waiting for the bob to yeah waiting for the some something to happen yeah he's like that kind of well i drank a six-pack time to move yeah exactly but you know when i was doing it, i couldn't help but thinking that fly fishing is kind of like the the uh, approved man's man version of ribbon dancing oh yeah yeah <laughs> you, you know you're, you're twirling that thing out there it's so much fun but um no one's laughing at you because because <laughs> no you're fly fishing <laughs> so um you did a youtube talk like six years ago right tedx talk yeah so i, I don't i'm not sure if you like if like some people read the comments people, i don't know if you read the comments or not oh yeah but I found this one comment. I just fucking laughed, right? Um, someone, someone said this about you. This guy got high watching The Matrix, and then someone gave him a TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, I got roasted in the comments, and uh, I, I mean, deservedly. Um, I thought it was so funny. This dude got high watching The Matrix, and I gave him a TED Talk. Like, is that, <laughs> like, is that, like, is that easy to get a talk, TED Talk, right? Well, uh, actually, what's interesting about that TEDx talk was um, it was at my my university in, uh, actually, I was in St. Petersburg, Russia at the time, and uh, all the spots except for one were filled by, like, you know, physicists, computer scientists, founders, entrepreneurs, and then they had one spot reserved for a student. So they held a public speaking competition, a whole uh, school was invited and I ended up winning that. So they allowed me to speak. But the funny part was that my talk did better than everyone else's. Um, I think it's like close to 330,000 views or so. Yeah, probably because you're like more authentic. Other people that are probably trying to sell something. Oh, I'm a professor of this. I'm a doctor of this. Let me show how... um, Great I am, you know. I think I think people are generally really interested in the idea that everything around us is a computer program, but for the mainstream audience, there's no one who can deliver it in an accessible way, you know, in a way that people are um, able to understand. There's a lot of computer science, physics, and technical things that go into simulation theory, but my, my whole role was to try to... Um, expose the idea in a way that is suitable for like a mass audience. So when you, when you gave your TED talk and you said, you know, we're in a simulation, can you tell the audience like, who's this fucking crazy motherfucker? Like, <laughs> or, 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 or receptive that idea? Or like, okay, here's another fucking crackhead talking some bullshit. Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, what's the alternative? We, we kind of, 
um, as, as human beings, we kind of like can't help but to wonder sometimes. And we, we have all of these uh, traditions, these historical teachings, science and religion, but nobody really knows. So there's still room for speculation and people love being told a story if it's good enough. I guess my, my story came through in a good way. Yeah. And so you as a St. Petersburg University of Russia, you do that? Yes. So I have to ask, your speech is English, right? I would have thought it would have been in Russian or something yeah. else. So all the TED Talks everywhere in English, I guess? or No, I think most of the rest of them were in Russian there. Okay. And usually when, when the TEDx is done, you know, at a, in, a, in a foreign location, um, there'll, there'll be some English or maybe mostly English, okay. depending on the place. Uh, and then some in the, the native languages as well. Are you going to do any more TED Talks? I hope so. That'd be fun. What was the process? I mean, because I know someone else who gave one. And that, I know the process is easy. You just can't like put your name in the hat. You're like, there's a process to it, right? Can you explain the process of getting approved to do a TED Talk? Yeah. So uh, for for this particular one, um, there was a public speaking contest. So you had to give your talk first in front of an audience and a jury. And uh, once they decided, you know, the most impactful or however they, they judged, um, then you were to take that talk and then refine it further. Um, you want to work with someone who will help you fine tune the talk and the presentation, the slides. There was a lot of preparation that went into it. I probably spent about 80 hours uh, practicing and refining before I gave that talk. So now, how does it work? I suppose you have your own speaking style, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you know, people say it works for you, whatever you're natural. And the, and the coach says, no, change it up. Like, do you have to do what the TEDx coach says? You like keep it to yourself? How does that work? Well, I mean, um, there were some general guidelines for us, but nothing like really specific. You have to change all of this and um, you, you have to add this or take this away. So there, the, the kind of feedback from the coaches was more uh, general. So I had a lot of room to play. Um, but I think, you know, when you're giving a TEDx talk, it has to like this is your your moment in the spotlight. So you you want to put in as much energy as you can to make it great. So what benefits do you get either personally or professionally for doing the TEDx talk? What's, what's the benefit of doing one? Uh, I get to put it on my LinkedIn. I get to talk about it for, I, I hope, the rest of my life, um, or at least until I do an, another one. And um, I, there's been some really interesting people that have reached out to me through uh, seeing my TEDx talk, reach out to me on LinkedIn and, and different social media platforms. Uh, I remember this one guy who he messaged me on LinkedIn. He said, thank you so much. Um, you know, I got a lot of different kinds of comments. Uh, people were rightfully so trashing me. I'm not a computer scientist. I'm not a physicist. I just tried to convey these ideas in a, in a simple way. But one guy, he reached out to me and he said, you know, I was, um, I was having some real issues with depression. And I watched your talk and I realized if we're living in a game, I just, I just got to play the game. Mm -hmm. I just have to let go of all of this, you know, stress, rat race, and focus on uh, getting a high score that means something to me, you know? And he, he was saying that it helped him with his anxiety and his social uh, depression and things like that. So that was really impactful and powerful for me. Yeah. Um, so you know, talk about metaverse, the different universes, right? You yeah. know, like, you know, to my mind, there's like, there's, diff there's definitely different worlds, right? You know, if you're like, you know, a bourbon maker, you're in the world of bourbon, right? Yeah. If you're a startup, you're the world of startups, you're a scientist, you're the world of, all the different worlds, right? And universes, right? You make your own universe, I think, right? Because like, you know, simple, like, you know, do you go left or right? You know, all these simple decisions you make. Like, you wanted to, like, either one of us go right now say, I'm tired of this shit, and just go live with some small town in, in the south and, you know, do nothing, right? Right. So I think there's a lot of these metaverses out there. It's, 
and it's like the stuff going on now. Like like recently, like I said, free talk. Supposedly, it's like the universe has background music. They did pull from gravitational waves. Like, first of all, the hell the gravitational waves, you know? Like, <laughs> and then, like, do these people really know what they're talking about right? Or are they just making shit up right? Do you, do you really know? No, like... Hey, I'm the kind of person who I don't know for sure until I'm there myself mm-hmm. or until I'm, like, you know, running the tests myself. Um, so I, I've always got doubts, and I think doubts are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to understand the universe as humans, and I think... There's there's always going to be charlatans and storytellers yeah. and, and people who, who like to exaggerate. And then there's always going to be people who try to um, uh, prove things with science as much as they can and, and tell a story with yeah. science. But oftentimes, you know, when when you're when, when the researchers are looking at the cosmos, there's a lot of numbers and math. Yeah. And how do you tell a story out of that? So yeah. um, you have really good storytellers like Neil Tyson DeGrasse, who, yeah, who he's great at that. Right. Who, who can turn numbers into something that's beautiful. Most annoying stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, the James Webb telescope finding million, like hundreds of thousands of new galaxies every day. Like, I mean, I know a lot of people say there's no, 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 no life out there, but how can, how can there not be right? I mean, that's statistically impossible, I think, but who knows, right? You know, what's really interesting though. So, uh, there, there's a movie called the 13th floor. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it or seen it. It's a, one of the early ones about simulation theory, actually before the matrix, I think, I think it was 98 that it came out. And the idea is I don't want to spoil it. There, there might be some spoilers. So if you want to watch it, close your ears. <laughs> um, the idea is that there, there's a company uh, that creates a simulation of Los Angeles in the thirties. And when they go into the simulation, they take over one of the characters. So what was really interesting is that at the edge of this simulation, it stopped rendering. Uh, so, so when they got to the edge of the simulation, there was just a whole bunch of, uh, uh, lines and graphs and, uh, th- there weren't any like beautiful colors or textures. Um, but you know, if you have a flat simulation at a certain point, you have to stop because your processing power just runs out. But if you have a sphere, then there is no edge. So you can create a completely enclosed space. So we're talking about Rick and Morty before you started. And there's an episode when that happens, right? There's a simulation and, and Rick's like, we just have to get to the edge and jump off. Yep. The whole episode, three out of find the edge and jump off. Right. And like, he, two or three times, you he he thought you found the edge, like, no, still the simulation. Like, fuck. The not thought they were, and they finally, but finally found the edge and then they got out. Yeah, right. So, I mean, the, the idea is if we're, if we're on a sphere now, if, if, if this planet is a sphere, this is some people argue against that, of course, yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, the idea is there's no edge. So you, you, there's no real way to find out. Yeah, so if we are in simulation, what do you think the purpose of simulation is? Like, why would someone even want to start a simulation? There's all sorts of reasons for it. I mean, um, the the top one being entertainment. The top one being creating experience where you can do things that you can't do in your real life. You know, I mean, why do we play GTA or or Assassin's Creed? Um, in a world where you can die and kill endlessly, you know, where you can do forbidden things without consequences. Yeah. That's kind of, I think, one of the one of the most compelling ideas behind simulations. So do you think there's one person running simulations, like a group project? No. So it's hundreds of thousands of simulations going at the same time? Look, man, in the AI age, I think it's it's abundantly 
clear that if we're living in a simulation, it was designed by an AI. Mm -hmm. It was um, kind of like put through a bunch of trial and error and this AI's fine tuning all of the constants of life, you know, Planck's constant and gravitational constant until it gets something right where um, we're in a space where humans can can exist. So how, how old is AI? Like when did AI start? You have to know. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on how you look at it. I, I don't have um, like the official history off the top like, of my head. Pretty recent though, right? Yeah. So you have to think that this is a AI. It has to be someone not at Earth, right? Because like, it has to be someone like way far advanced of us. It's some kind of other like alien technology, right? Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, uh, if we if we this is a simulation and there's a quote unquote real world or as Elon Musk called it, like a base reality, yeah. right? It could be so much different than what we're experiencing now that we don't even have a frame. Or maybe this is actually the year two hundred and we think it's a year twenty twenty three, right? right? Maybe we are like fucking small chips in our head, like you know, those like on the Star Wars, the clone troopers, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's some crazy shit. Yeah, it's fun to think about. It is, right? And then like there's so many possibilities, right? Simulation or simulation, you know, like yep. What is like there's like five people in a simulation, each one is like their own specialty, right? Yep. Like suppose one is in control of the weather, but that person actually dies, right? Oh shit, the weather's all fucked up now. The simulation guy's not here, right? <laughs> yeah. Or he's just taking a vacation. I <laughs> know, uh, yeah. Um what got you interested in simulation theory? Uh, I'm, uh, movies, honestly. Uh, if you in my in my TEDx talk, uh, I mentioned a few of the the top ones that really piqued my interest. The Matrix is obviously on there. The Thirteenth Floor, which I was just talking about recently, is also on there. Uh, the Truman Show uh, and, and another one, Dark City, which is just really impactful. Have you seen the Truman Show? Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think when uh, he sees that that guy, like, what is, what's this? Yeah, right. And the eyes open up. I think it's um, it's archetypal kind of, you know, where I think every human being has this little inkling of doubt about yeah. our experience. Mm -hmm. And when, when there's a movie that really effectively and uh, in a compelling way exposes that doubt, yeah. it's it's a powerful experience for us. That's like you have deja vu, right? Yeah. Okay, like, I've never done this, but it sure does feel like I've done this before. Right, right. right. And, and you probably have done it some, sometime before. Yeah. That's where like, the uh, what's it called the um, reincarnation stuff comes in and stuff, you know. Yep. Yep. So, is there like a scientific theory behind simulation theory? Well, I know that there are um, people who who do a much better job of going into the computer science and the physics behind uh, how and why simulation theory could be right. But uh, the the problem, the biggest problem behind simulation theory is that being inside of a simulation, it's really difficult to determine whether or not this is one. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a lot of science that goes into trying to understand what the universe is. We're talking quantum mechanics, physics, and um, computer science also. Yeah, I definitely want to talk quantum computing later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of science that goes into kind of the speculation f behind simulation hypothesis. Um, and there's a lot of people who try, uh, scientists who, who speak about simulation hypothesis um, using scientific terms. Uh, about how we could go about proving it. But we run into a really big problem where we can't really falsify it, right? Yeah. There, there's, if we're inside a simulation and the simulation's designed for us not to know that it's a simulation, it's pretty difficult to tell. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people talking about all the aliens out there want aliens to come see us. I'm like, do we really want an alien to come see us, right? For example, <laughs> like, it's a bad analogy, but way back in the day, 1400s, Cortez went to Spain, 
which is Incas, pretty much destroyed all the Incas, right? The authorities of God, right? Yep. I mean, can you imagine some alien coming here and like not being like, you know, and being hostile? Like we would have no, like we would like, we'd all be slaves, right? Like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think it's interesting though, because the, the Maya and the Aztecs, their legends talk about white men with beards mm -hmm. as gods, you yep. know, and these guys came for like yep. literally fulfilling a prophecy. You know what? I, I have a theory too, right? So if you're an alien, what's the easiest way to, to, to conquer the earth? And I'm assuming that your alien has some kind of power, right? So you send one alien, yeah, he, he has to take and levitate, do some powerful stuff. Uh -huh. And he says, I'm God. I'm the God of Abraham, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And half the world's going to worship him instantly. Other half are like, this is bullshit. Yep. And like, maybe they find a nuclear weapon and just throws it away, right? That's all you got to do. Just come in with some, a lot of power and say, I'm God. It's like, I think it's a done deal. What's crazy is um, the, the Sumerian mythology talks about uh, their gods as Anunnaki, mm -hmm. they, which, which came to Earth and actually did the whole like gene splicing thing, allegedly, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's a guy named Zachariah Sitchin um, who wrote a lot of, of books on this topic. Uh, he says he was translating text. Other people are saying it's more pseudoscience, that so he's kind of being loose and fast uh, with, with the translation. But the, the general idea is that these alien beings came to earth looking for gold and uh basically um took some of their dna spliced it with primates to create humans as a slave species yeah. that would mine their gold for them I mean, this is a crazy story though. like um when one the theory is that you know like back in the day apes were on a fours then they started doing mushrooms and you know yeah. they, and then enlightened them you know right i mean so many theories out there right and then like you know like not to talk religion, but you know, you know, talking about God, right? There's so many gods, right? Mm -hmm. I can think Ricky Gervais, he's like a famous atheist, right? Yep. And somebody said, why do you, why do you believe in God? He's like, there's 10,000 gods. I just have to believe in one less God than you do. So what's the difference, right? <laughs> and like, you know, like, is, is a God of the Norse gods, the Greek gods, you know, it's, it's like, and then like, on one hand, you have like religious people, like, you know, God created everything, right? Okay. The story's good and all. But scientifically factual, I don't know if it works out right. But it's a great story, whatever, right? And there's only creation stories everywhere, right? On the other hand, with a scientist, I'm like, okay, you're telling me two atoms pop together and create everything. I don't know if I go out there with it, right? Like, it has to be a third option out there, like, makes more sense, right? Yeah, I think I think what's really interesting about that is, uh, so religion, there's, there's two different kind of parts of it that are really important. The one part is how you live your life mm -hmm. and the good that it does to yep. you and behavior, social interaction, yep. cohesion, all that stuff. And then uh, there, there's another part where you try to fulfill that seed of doubt that every human has yeah. about why we're here, what yeah. we're doing. Um, and people who, who argue really strongly for it kind of don't really sound that smart sometimes. Yeah. But what's even more interesting is now in the age of AI, right? When you can type into chat GPT, any question you want and it, boom, you know, it, it works through billions of nodes to give you an answer that's like, right spot yep. on uh where you can imagine somebody building an ai and say you know typing in let there be light yeah and the ai handles all the hard work makes an entire universe yeah. tests through a bunch of different you know constants and suddenly boom there's light yeah and back in the early day like suppose you're early man right you're in your long cloth or whatever and like you're kind of rich and people are stealing your sheep and goats whatever what's, what's <laughs> better way like having the stop to say god says to do this right yeah and like, you know, it's like God always talked like one person, right? Right. You would think like, I'll probably get fucking go to hell for saying this because I am Roman Catholic. But you would think like, you know, like God would like speak to everyone, right? Mm -hmm. I'm your God, like some kind of mass telethesis, whatever you want to call it, right? 
or you're always some random dude, some random shepherd, you know, by a burning bush, you know. Yep. Of course, some people theorize it, it was a burning bush, but the dude's a, like the dude was an LSD or something, right? Right. It's always these theories, right? I mean, as a, to me, as a story, the Bible has to be the greatest story we told, right? Because there's definitely like 45 different stories, you know, it's different. And you get the New Testament, and it's, it's just... It's just interesting to talk about, right? And then again, but I'm like, you're trying to be small, two small items bang together, and this this is creating. I don't know if I buy that either, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the most important things behind any religion is is like uh, creating rules that society will follow for the benefit of society, mm-hmm. right? If you if you say if God tells you don't eat pigs or don't eat shrimp, mm-hmm. there's like maybe some underlying reason yeah. where if you're doing that in the desert, maybe you'll get sick. Yeah, and probably it's probably not good for yeah. you. Um, and, and so there's, there's that part of it where, you know, that, that social rule creating behaviors that are good for long, yeah. um, lo- for the long run in yep. societies. Right. So, but then again, like, do we really be following rules from somebody who like wearing a long call thousands of years ago, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. And then like a lot of stuff in the Bible too, like, like I know in the old test, you couldn't eat pork or that kind of stuff. And the New Testament, a lot of people think that Jesus, I really wasn't Jesus. It's like supposedly the Bible story is like an angel came to, to Paul and like, and they said, hey, don't worry about, you know, unclean eating. It, what comes out of your mouth makes you clean, like makes you dirty. And that's what will put you in your mouth, right? So, yeah, it's like, a lot of that stuff is convenient sake, right? Yeah. What's interesting about the New Testament, I don't know if you've heard about this. Uh, there's this... Uh, Maybe it's a conspiracy theory. Maybe it's kind of like um, you know speculative research. Some people are saying that the the New Testament was <coughs> partly, in part, created by the Flavians, mm-hmm. the Roman emperors, who were, who were trying to like. I mean, because the Gospels were written like four hundred years after the people lived, right? So, right, like, right. Well, I, I know you can pass stories down generation, but something gets lost in translation. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, you have this this uh, prophecy about the Jewish temple getting destroyed, yeah. and then you have this emperor who comes in and mm-hmm. does it. With the emperor had a lot of relationships yeah. with Jews. But the other thing about relation, uh, religion is that um, if it doesn't resonate with people, it's never going to get adopted. Yeah, There must be something about uh, <coughs> Christianity that really resonated with Europeans and, and that part of the world where... You know, they, they, a lot of people felt that this is right. This must be the truth because this is how I feel inside. Yeah, I, well, I definitely think the Roman Empire, I caught it right? Because this, this is a great story. So, this, if I can show it to you, this, this tattoo here. Cairo? This, yeah. So, the, for those who know, the story was Constantine was in a, about to have a battle. I think it was a civil war. He's outnumbered, out everything, right? Yep. And then, supposedly, allegedly, this, well, this appeared in the sky, and Jesus said, with this symbol, conquer, right? Right. And then so you paint all, all the all the all the shows and stuff that conquered, beat his ass, beat the enemy's ass, whatever. And then Constantine became emperor again, and then the Roman Empire became Christian, right? Right. And of course, then they put bought this like you know, some pagan holidays, like a sun holiday, yep. combined Christmas, right? So like, I think like they, I think for political purposes, they call it Christianity, right? Yeah. And though some people are like, oh, it, that's not you know that's not bad. A lot of Christians will say, well, that we might agree the way it became like the word religion, but he, this guy does a great service, right? Without him, the whole world would not be Christian today, at least most of the world, right? I think uh, I think there's a lot to be said about uh, the idea that you create common language between different regions where suddenly, you know, if you're French and somebody else is Hungarian or German, you can't really understand each other. And whenever you meet as travelers on the road, there's automatically suspicion. Yeah. But if you're both Christian, if you both identify as Christian, yeah, the common bond. suddenly you there's see a, like... You see a cross somewhere or, right. you know, yeah. 
suddenly there's like this level of trust where um, you can you can have this framework for being able to pass each other on the road without violence. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, and, and, and think what kind of part you got as a person, right? You, part. you just you just did a decree. We're all, we're all Catholic now. Yeah. Everyone takes their sun gods and the gods or whatever, like throw it away, you know? Right. Like, I, so can you imagine someone came here from the Roman Empire right now and like, where's, where's the god or whatever, right? We, we, they're like, you, 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 what? Christianity is the thing. Like, we used to crucify them jokers back in the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think uh, people would be in for a big surprise. But at the same time, I mean, maybe there's something to it where yeah, I mean, suddenly they get it. They're like, this makes sense. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, yeah. right? Where, Make sure you pay your taxes. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. And this may relate to like, you know, I mean, of course, every note, your, your relation is really based on like where you're born and what your parents do. That's true. I mean, cause like if you're born a family, like in Rome, Italy, odds of you being Islam is like pretty, pretty low, right? Yes. Like if you're born, like, you know, in Saudi Arabia, Iran, you know, chance of you being Christian or Jewish, like pretty low too, you know? Right. So that plays a lot too. I mean, religion is good. It does serve a purpose, you know? Of course, they always say, who's a better person? The religious person doing good deeds because he wants to go to a better place or the atheist who just does good deeds because he's a good person, you know? Yep. That's a really good philosophy question, I think. Well, you're Roman Catholic, you said, yep. right? Do you do you have a like a conviction about your faith or is it more like traditions? Uh, so my, my grand, my, my, we're, we're Roman Catholics in generations, right? Mm-hmm. I even have the picture when I got uh, Christian or baptized when I was a little kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the guy who baptized me actually still works at the church, you know. Okay. So plus, like with my grandmother doing it, you know, like a lot of tradition, right? Yeah. A lot has to do with tradition, right? Which can be good and bad, right? You know. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, you know, I had my 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 father is actually a pastor in a church. I had my rebellious phase for sure, but now I've kind of, you know, come to see um, that that the organization that he's running is filled with really good people that um, really care about community and have good values that I respect. So um, there's, you know, when you get a little bit older, you kind of see, see things with a different, different light, I guess, where the community is more important. Yeah. Because our relations have like black market, you know, like freaking, you know, the back of the Catholic church, they uh, they were like paying, people were paying to to get into heaven, you know, when they're doing good things. Of course, all these fucking, you know, horrible people, priests, like, having sex with little boys, yeah. like, in the cover with that. That's fucking, like, I don't know how that even happened, right? Like, and they wonder why so many people live in the Roman Catholic Church, right? Like, look, yeah. look it's important, right? And, of course, you know, it, when Islam started, it was like, you know, I wrote a book a long time ago, it's called The Conquest of Islam, right? Where basically, you go to town, put the sword in your neck, convert yep. or die. Well, I guess I'm, 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 I'm praying in I'm Mecca. Now. I guess I'm praying in Mecca four <laughs> times a day. Yeah. I want to live, right? Yeah. yeah, so many people have been died in the new religion, right? For sure, for sure. And then, you know, like, some of your new religions pop up. Scientology, it's like, right. I think it's like, so many gods and religions, it's like, insane. Uh, so do you ever watch, watch, watch South Park? Oh, yeah. He says, one episode where, like, all these people died at one time, and they're like, like they're on hell, right? They're like, what are you doing in hell? Like, I was a, I was the best, whatever, best Christian-based, whatever, like, South of the Baptist, Presbyterian, Luther, I was the best, whatever, like, what the hell? Oh, you didn't pick the right religion. What? What's the right religion? <laughs> the answer is Mormons. Mormons? How is that the right religion? They started in the 1800s. There's no way that's the right religion. Yeah, it's, it's Mormonism. We moved, we moved from this one to Mormonism. We change religions every 100 years up, up here. And it's like y'all, it's like y'all playing Russian roulette with your, with your eternal life. Right? <laughs> well, like, well, who knows, right? It's like like another like meme on, on I think it was on Facebook somewhere. Like, you know, 
So like Christian, they go like, you know, evangelize, they find a person, you know, is Jesus Christ saved? Who's Jesus Christ? Or if you believe in Jesus, you'll be forever, you know, saved, right? Mm. But if you, but if you, Jesus saves, you can do no more wrong. Like, but so before you tell me about Jesus, are we going to heaven because of ignorance, right? Yeah. Why the fuck do you tell me about Jesus Christ? <laughs> just, let, just let me live my life. Yeah. yeah and I'll be sure. saved afterwards, right? Yeah. Like, like, what are you doing to me? I think uh, I think at a certain point, you know, when in the ancient times, you've got like there are no rules, there there are no necessarily like morals, and and even today, <coughs> right? If you hit someone in the face, it's bad, but if you're defending your daughter, it's yeah. good. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing where you need to come up with a set of rules where people aren't killing each other and your, yeah. your society is growing. There's constant competition with different tribes, so you got to find a way for for your tribe to kind of like yeah. carve its place under the sun. Um, so that was really important, but now, you know, we're in this like age where all information is <coughs> available at your fingertips yeah. any second of the day. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting thinking about like, what are we, what are we going to move into next? Like, yeah. how are we going to structure our society? So what are the values that we're going to need to like emphasize? Yeah. And what's the saying? Everyone's an atheist until something bad happens and they got to pray to something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, but who knows, right? It's like. So many unlimited possibilities, you know, like it's, it's just insane. Like so much knowledge now, like there was a study, there was a study. I, I don't remember exactly which university put it on, but they created a fake guru. Um, and it was, you know, completely intentional where the, this person was, was chosen for this specific experiment. And, um, over three months, this fake guru gathered a following of, you know, I think it was like 50 to hundred people. Um, and completely pretending to be this guru, uh, this spiritual leader and, and, you know, kind of fooling these people along the way. And after a certain point, I think it was three months or so that this study, the point of it was that this guru said that I'm doing this for an experiment. You're part of an experiment. I'm not really this person. And yet there's a certain percentage of They're his followers follow that continued to follow that religion. I mean, people are so, are so gullible, right? It's proven time to can that most people want to be led, right? Yep. Most people are not leaders. They want to like, you know, they will be like a like a routine every day, do the same thing, go to work, make the bullshit money, come home, watch TV, you know, drink their beer. And they're like, follow any little thing. They're like, I mean, when COVID pandemic was bad, but it proved like how gullible people are. Like they would just do every little thing. Like where this, where that, you know, no questions asked, right? You know, right. it's, I don't know. So next question. Let's suppose there's someone We'll say from the year 1500, right? Mm -hmm. No, let's go back to the Roman Empire time, right? Okay. We'll say the year 120. Well, let's say August, Caesar Augustus Empire, right? You're saying that because you're a gladius here. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love that. So they take someone of average intelligence at that time and bring them to 2023 and take someone of average intelligence in 2023 and put them there and give each of them one month to get acclimated. Which one to me would be more successful? And take advantage of opportunities, right? And there's no like language barriers. No, no language barriers. No so automatically, right. you can speak. You, language. you give them thirty days to like figure shit out, study stuff. You know how things work. You know. So I mean, you're saying take the average person. I think it really it depends on a case by case, person by person basis. But still, I think that this person from the Roman Empire is going to have a lot more uh, luck here mm -hmm. because you just it's just so much harder to live back then. Yeah. 
Um, now we have you know, In, indoor these, plumbing. Everything's comfortable. Everything's yeah. easy. You want you know a, a new shirt? It's in the it's on your doorstep the yeah. next the next yeah. morning. You don't have to do anything for it. Yeah. And Back then you had to go kill a sheep. Right. Know, Make the clothes yourself. And you have this new generation that's never opened a map before. Mm-hmm. That's never used a map yeah. to get anywhere. Um, and, and you know, you have every single, like, like I said, all the knowledge of the universe or of Earth at your fingertips available in an instant. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just, just using Google Maps as an example, like, you just type in an address and yeah. you're ready to go. Yeah. But... People, you know, even 30, 40 years ago yeah. used to... People don't realize, like, electricity is, is relative, in, the, in the history of the world, electricity is a pretty new thing. Indoor plumbing is a pretty good new thing, right? Yep. Not even 100 years ago, people, like, you know, using outhouses, right? And dying from yeah. from really diseases that we can't even fathom anymore, no. In in especially in the Western world. Like, what's diphtheria or, or cholera? Yeah. Like, well, what, what are those things? Yeah, I think some of them, I'm like you, I think some of them from back in the day would come and just fucking dominate. Yeah. They would just dominate. Once he figured it out, how stuff works and stuff, you know, like, okay, I can do this, I can do that. Like, yeah. I think back in the day, you kind of, you had to, like, you had to do anything you could to make yeah. it work. Yeah, plus back in the day, like, once the sun went down, like, I'm sure you had, like, ladders and lamps, you know, mm-hmm. fire sticks, but, like, the reason there was no working after, right. after dark, right? Right. Nope. And if you're out after dark, then it's dangerous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, criminals, robbers, animals, you know. All like, that good stuff. Yeah. Which makes the Roman Empire even more impressive to me, right? They were able to control all that shit back in those days, right? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I don't. Do you have your followers seen your Gladius? Can I hold it up? Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Let me let me hold no. this thing up. This thing is awesome. Look at this. Yeah. So this is a gift from my brigade commander when I left the brigade. This one job in the army. Yeah. This he, is sweet. He used to give all his staff offers this right here. So cool. Yeah. And for those of you who have seen my tattoos, I actually have that on tattoo on my left, my right leg too. It's pretty nice, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, comparing like different generations, different time frames, you know, like, like to me, like, I'm like, you're like, you leave it right now, so I'm actually, you want to like go 100 years in the future, 100 years in the back, like, I want to stay here, right? Like, but 100 yeah. years from now, the world might be blown up, nuclear dis- exactly. disaster. 100 years ago, I ain't, I, fuck, I ain't doing that shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could have made some money, uh, but at the same time, like, we, it's it's nice here. <laughs> it's nice now. It's, yeah. It's, it's, of course, you know, that's a bad thing, too. Like, what's the saying? Um, I can't always say this for the Good times make yeah, uh, soft men. Yeah. Soft men make bad times. Bad yeah. times make hard men or something so like we're that. So we're in, the, like, the worst cycle of that right now, people yeah. think, you know? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Looking at kids, um, how, how they're, like... You know, as soon as they have diapers on, they're just stuck in a smartphone. Yeah, how's that? How's that going to work? I was just uh, I was just talking with somebody about how executives from Apple and from Facebook have come on publicly saying they'll never let their kids touch their product. Yeah, yeah, never. You know, uh, they they make it to be addicting. That's part of the design process. Is this device is supposed to be grabbing your mm-hmm. attention? Um, and it works really well, especially for kids who have no defenses against yeah. it. So, yeah, speaking of... And when parents use it as a babysitting mechanism, yeah. it's even fucking worse. Yeah. And then th- the thing is, once you, you know, uh, remove that, mm-hmm. then they got withdrawals. Yeah. They start, they start, you know, bawling and crying and, and I know. like... Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know coming off of a of a drug yep. basically. It is, yeah. They're kids; they're defenseless. They have no idea what what what's going on. And and, and kids nowadays, like, so very kids have what they call like that dog in them, right? Like that desire to do better, right? Right. Very few. The one, a few of them do, and because a few of them are like dogs, so to speak, like really like go getters. 
they just shine so much of other people, right? It's not even close. You just okay, you gotta do something with your life. Yep. And there's other people like this dude, like, what are you doing, right? Yeah. 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 So I I mean, speaking of values and what we need to like prioritize and emphasize going forward. What do we need to focus on as a society? Mm-hmm. I think we need to reconnect back in the real world, you know, and kind of make sure that we're incentivizing people to have real experiences and engagement. And then, like, people always talk about they need to teach this in school, that in school, right. fine, you know, taxes, okay. finance, or, or, computer science. Okay, the only school for six hours a day. How do you propose they learn all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to learn math, science, you know. If you learn, I mean, they'd be in school 24 7, right? Yep. So how do you decide in society what's really important, right? And what's what's the school's responsibility? What's the parents' responsibility, right? Is it really the school's responsibility to teach my kid how to balance a, pay, a, 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 a checkbook? Checkbook, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or is that on me? Yeah. So the school teach my kids how to fucking cook lasagna? Or is that on me, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I think it's how we, we try to put too much of our own responsibilities on, on other people, right? Mm-hmm. Then again, the verse is like, if I don't know how to balance a checkbook, how the hell am I teach my kids to balance a checkbook? Right. So it's a catch twenty two, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. We. We. It's hard to say we need experimentation, mm-hmm. um, but I think I think there's certain things that can that can really. Uh, the other side of the coin is we're going into this future age, right, where kids are learning times tables, mm-hmm. but we we have a calculator at our fingertips yeah. anytime. Do we really need that? Yeah, it's like it's a wasted effort, you know, like wasted time to teach them, like teach them something better, like fucking teach them how to code, you know? Right, exactly. What do you think? I think, yeah, coding needs to be taught from a younger age. Like times tables, yeah, I don't know, right? I mean, cursive, like, I actually believe people should, should learn how to write cursive, you know, just because I'm, I'm fashion like that. I think writing yeah. cursive has some, some like a value in it, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's another thing, like, what values do you want, you know? Like, the school has one value, one parent has one value, another parent has one value. Like, one parent, like, I want my kid to pay for every meal at school. Right. Other parent, like, you know, well, that's fine, and Danny, but I'm not Christian, right? I'm whatever, right? Right. This offends me, right? It's, yep. And there's like a the Supreme Court case recently where this high school coach, I think in Bremerton, was saying prayers after the games, and they took him to court. Supreme Court said, no, he can, he can pray whatever he wants to if he's at work, right? Yeah. You know, and like the recent, recent case this week where, um, this web designer didn't want to do a web design for like a, a, a gay couple mm-hmm. and she won, you know? Yep. And then like, there's a case in Indiana where it's like a, a people are making wedding cakes in the same right. case, right? Right. So that's, that's a case I thought with the Supreme Court. So it's a different case. And like, I'll probably get blasted like this, but with me, like, if you're like, whatever you're all right, like me, I'm, I'm from Texas, I'm Republican, you know, I'm Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody said, hey, we're not going to buy, sell you this because you're from Texas. Mm. Thank you very much. I'm going to the next business. Yeah. Thank you for letting me spend my money to support you, right? Yep. But then if other people are, no, we should be able to buy where we want to. It's, yeah. It, th- those are complicated questions. And like me personally, like, if I'm buying a cake from you and you don't like what I am, you're not fucking with my food. You're not making my no food for me, right? <laughs> like, like, you know? Yeah, I think but people I think have different re- different responses, I guess. When you force somebody to do something, it's going to be lower quality. Oh yeah. And, I mean, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe there's 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 certain things that are done on principle, yeah. and I get that, you know. And you have to respect the United States for pushing the envelope on a lot oh, yeah. of things. No matter where people stand on the, the trans issue, it's um, the the idea of of respecting people, no matter who yeah. they are. 
that sets the U.S. apart from any other nation, really, yeah. on the planet. And most people here don't realize that. Yeah, they that's true. They, they don't. don't realize that. And it, it soaks through the, the global consciousness. Yeah, and some of the stuff people say here about different people, they'd be in jail in different countries. Right, right. I've traveled quite a bit in my life, and, you know, I've seen a lot of different things. But it seems like the um, a lot of American culture is, is kind of being absorbed yeah. all over the world. Oh, yeah. And probably for the better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got consumerism here. We've got materialism here, and maybe there's some negative things about about how we organize our capitalism. Yeah, but uh, in general, it's probably a net benefit. So I remember I was in the army for 25 years. It just it was like it was like interesting. I go to different countries, like serve, like my family. They kind of like you know we hate America, get out of here, whatever. But when they saying I hate America, they have a Coca Cola shirt on. Yeah, or they have you know a, a, a Los Angeles Lakers jersey on. Right, or something like some kind of something with American culture, iconic American culture they're wearing. Yeah. Right. So you say we suck, but you love our Coca-Cola. Yep. Gotcha, right? Yeah. Are you driving cars that are produced on a production line? Yeah. Well, guess what? That was mostly an American invention, right? Yeah. Or um, all I mean, sorts we're the, of- We're the country people love to hate. Yeah. Do you use the internet? Yeah. Guess what? That was uh, the American military. Yeah. <laughs> and you could argue the reason that Korea and Japan are such a big economy because like we protected them all through the years, right? The, the military defense industrial complex, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's no way that they would have developed. No, like all, all the all the all the all the seafaring trade lanes across the United, across the world pretty much are protected by us, right? One yep. way or the other, right? Yep, yep. That's true. That's true. That's you know, and, and that's why people choose the dollar um, to to do their trade. But now we're kind of in this kind of really tumultuous period in in the globe where it's like. What's the future of the dollar? It's really yeah. Because didn't like think Russia and some other countries try to do this a new currency? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. They were talking. Russia's do, trying to do all sorts of different things. I don't think they know what the fuck they're trying to get do. out of their situation. Yeah. Um, the, the the most interesting from you know my opinion, they're they're looking at uh, doing a commodity backed currency mm-hmm. where it's like the BRICS countries: Brazil, Russia, yeah, BRICS, India, that's what's BRICS, yeah. China, South Africa. Where they're they're trying to to do this kind of uh, uh, global currency that you can redeem for gold, oil, wheat, and and hard commodities. That could be really interesting. Yeah, that could be really interesting. And I mean, yeah, there, <laughs> you can definitely say that the United States uses the dollar as a weapon. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, so it makes sense as an influencer. Right. Right. I remember in summer, like a, I think the World Bank used to be like. Like seventy five percent U.S. dollar, now it's down like fifty nine cents to the dollar, something like that. You know, so it's like it keeps on going down and down. And like, I'm making this up. I think they predict like in fifteen years we're like below fifty fifty cents for whatever it is. You know. Well, I mean, see, the the biggest problem I think that people don't don't even realize is now that we're hiking interest rates, and interest rates are like much higher than they've been in in quite a while. Suddenly, we're over thirty trillion dollars in debt now, and suddenly. Yeah the budget right there's over half a trillion dollars that's going to pay interest because yeah. of the high interest rates yeah. and they're they're rolling over debt with higher interest rates that they've got to pay more money to service that's i think a really really big danger um, i think for, like, you're right too many generations were like oh we'll just pass on the generation to me there's gonna be time when you can't pass on no more right yeah like, and you, as a kind of, i think it's, it's, not, it's a time where we're gonna kind of like we're gonna have to like suck it up and go for eating rib by six every day Thing with lonely sense every day to yep. kind of get back ahead of the game, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're here in a really interesting position uh, in the United States. I think with with the the Federal Reserve, our central bank, it doesn't just create currency for America; it creates 
dollars for the whole world. Like, I know, the whole right? world needs them. Yeah. And that's been a really interesting experiment. And talk about a powerful position. Yeah. That's yeah. a real powerful position. Yeah. But then again, I mean, if you if you look back through history, there's plenty of charts out there that talk about how this reserve currency status usually gets changed up about every hundred years or so. Yeah. We're coming right up on on that. You yeah. Know? That's a good point. So. I know I think it was Richard Nixon who took us off the gold standard. Right. So I don't know if that that's a good thing or bad thing, you know. I'm sure you had a reason, but man, I don't know. Yes. What would you take on like uh, like Bitcoin that kind of stuff? Yeah, this yeah, it's just so I, I worked for a uh, crypto VC for a little while. I didn't I wasn't on their investment team. That was the SMC Capital. SMC Capital, yeah. So SMC Capital uh, bought tokens and then sold them for more Bitcoin and, and made some money that way. Um, and what was really interesting having kind of an inside look in that ecosystem and that space there's two camps the way i see it there's this um like idealistic driven um philosophically driven camp where people are really focused on decentralization and privacy and creating a future that uh, there's sovereignty for the individual um, and then there's the speculators the scammers the profiteers the people who are who, who don't care about mm -hmm. philosophy they just care about flipping and making a dollar at whatever expense to anybody else it's like really two completely different sides of, of the coin it's like the dark side of the moon and the light side of the moon it's it's uh diametrically it seems diametrically opposed um and and there's some things that i really vibe with with the philosophy like uh people should be sovereign we should all take control yeah. of our finances and take control of of how we store our wealth how we store our data and um how we do business all all of those things are like the 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 bitcoin community some of them are advocating that there should be a revolution in those things that we need to grow as a species and be more spiritually mature uh and and yet and yet being on the inside i saw how you have these certain funds that get together in telegram groups and say we're buying this today mm. and we're selling at 3 p.m mm. so get ready and they move the market that way and um somebody who, who thinks they can make money end up not really making money and kind of getting the short end of the stick because the system's rigged um so it, it <laughs> it's hard to put it can you know congest that down into into one single opinion but i don't know what do you think i mean it's not like Bitcoin's like on one note, it's like Bitcoin's like this fantasy, you know, um, currency out there, like for rich people, whatever case. But I remember one time I actually got up a barber and my barber said, Hey, I, I take Bitcoin now. Like, oh shit. That's like <laughs> hit me. Like, okay, maybe this is more mainstream than I thought I was, right? Yeah. My barber's taking Bitcoin as a payment. Okay, maybe this is more and of course I think you had El Salvador, maybe the like national currency, right? You right. know. Yep. It's, I mean, I think it's definitely some advantage, right? Definitely the decentralization part, you know, you can pay people or the government know what you're doing, right? Yep. Of course, it helps up, like, you know, like I said, like, you know, drug dealers and bad actors. Yeah. Using Bitcoin, the dark web, whatever you want to call it, you know? Yep. And then it's like, it's like there's 10,000 cryptocurrencies, right? Like, how good are they really are, right? Yeah. They think Bitcoin, at least the Bitcoin, you have that, I think it's the blockchain, we can like track everything down. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, the other side of the coin is like, can you actually really use crypto for uh, payments in a secure way? Like, can we can we imagine a society where all we're using is our phone to, yeah. to make payments? Mm -hmm. Yeah, A lot of people are using Apple Pay now, but I think lately with geopolitics, you know, with this Russia, Ukraine stuff, yeah. you see how vulnerable 
the infrastructure is. Yeah. Like if the United or okay, I'm saying the United States, but um, whoever blew Nord Stream up, mm -hmm. right? If it wasn't the U.S., whoever it was, Ukraine or Poland yeah. or the U.K., it doesn't matter. But we're seeing that these huge infrastructure objects are like really vulnerable. Oh yeah, definitely. And and even these fiber optic connections. Um, I think it was the Financial Times that was talking about how Russia is looking at destroying fiber optic cables that are linking the U.S. and, yeah. and Europe. And yeah, what happens if, if there's um, a directed attack on telecommunications? Yeah. Like if our phones go down, I mean, a lot of people are going to be, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you're going to go crazy. But if if you have a payment system that's just based on a phone, mm -hmm. you're in a lot of trouble suddenly. Yeah, you know, I know that's a good point. And then with Russia, one thing I don't stand like I don't like so Russia ruled with Ukraine, right? Pretty much all the NATO is giving Ukraine all these like supplies, right? It just surprised me Russia has not said okay. Uh, we'll give you one week to stop these arms treatments. If not, we're going to attack this, like, operatic. I'm sure, like, we send the message, like, you know, don't do this right, but it is, like, if you're Russia and, and your enemy's getting supplies from all these countries, you would, like, say something like, hey, you know, like, this act of war, you stop supplying our enemy or we're going to do this right. <laughs> you know, you know what's even more funny about the Russia-Ukraine conflict? So there are some oil and gas pipelines that go through Ukraine mm -hmm. that are still pumping oil and gas to Europe. What? Through Ukraine. And guess who gets transit fees from Russia? Ukraine. <laughs> you think that'd be the first thing they would cut off. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of uh, really kind of interesting things about that whole conflict. Um, it's, it's really interesting to see how like all of the older military technology from kind of the Western side and the Soviet side is getting destroyed in that conflict. Oh, yeah. yeah. And th now there's going to be a new spending cycle in, in both locations where they're going to be, you know, really investing heavily into uh, refilling those inventories. And, and, and talk about Putin, like talk about like making a bad decision, right? So you invade Ukraine to keep them from joining NATO. But now, like, Finland, other countries have joined NATO and, like, doubled your, your border with NATO. Like, all the bad publicity getting, almost had a civil war a couple of days ago. Like, he has to be thinking, like, man, I fucked this up right. Or maybe he says all these yes men say, oh, it's going great for you, Vladimir Putin. You're the best leader ever. Like, we, we just don't know what's going through his head. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, there's definitely a, a point when somebody thinks they're invincible, mm -hmm. you know, oh, when, yeah. when you've run a country for so long and it's, a, it's the biggest country in the world. Yeah. Like, no matter what you say about how incompetent the Russian military is, et cetera, it certainly there's some arguments on, on that side. But running the, the biggest landmass in the world, that yeah. takes a lot of, yeah. of like, um, uh, government power and... Um, I think that if at a certain point you feel that your whole system is under threat and you have to pull out all the stops yeah. and maybe Putin does feel like he's in a corner, maybe, maybe they feel like cause there's, there's people on, on the American side openly yeah. talking about splitting Russia up, yeah. you know, and how it's not fair that they got all these resources, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, uh, in Putin's position, maybe you're thinking, well, this is do or die. Like I, yeah. I better make some stuff happen. Um, if you put you, you got, you know, nuclear weapons here, France has them, Spain has them, all these countries on your doorstep, you know, they're encroaching you, you know, Poland's in NATO, I think Hungary's in NATO, you know, Ukraine might be gone. So you've seen all your Soviet, 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 Soviet Union black countries like going to NATO, like, what are you doing? Now you're right. I, I, no one had any clue how incompetent the U.S. I mean, the Russian army was right. 
had no idea. Like, like the United States, like today, we could probably put 20,000 people in any country in the world and go to war with them, right? Like instantly, right? They can't even fucking invade a country next door, right? Like the logistics the lines all jacked up, you know, they have no logistics, all this messed up, you know, like we, we had no clue. And like they haven't, they, they don't have, they don't control their air in Ukraine yet, right? Like how you not control, if you're a wrestler, how you not control the air in Ukraine, right? Yeah. It's just mind, to me, that's, that's one thing to me is mind like How you not control the air in Ukraine? I mean, again, on, on, on the other side of the coin, you still have oil and gas that's transiting through Ukraine. Yeah. And Ukraine's yeah. getting paid for that yeah. from, from Russia. Like, is it, is it really a war? Are they, I mean, it's, it's hard to say exactly what's going on. I think, um, the, the Russians have this, this military term called maskirovka, mm -hmm. which is um, like a, a, a facade, a mm -hmm. de deceit tactic yeah. where you, you, you make it appear one way and um, in, in actual fact, it's, it's, you're, you're doing something completely yeah. different. What concerns me, like Ukraine is like known as like being a most, most one of the most corrupt countries in the world, right? We're sending them billions of dollars in, in whatever it is, like arms fund or whatever. Like, I have to think, how much is it getting siphoned off, right? Yeah. Because the same thing happened in Afghanistan. When I was there, we sent all this money to Afghanistan, and we all knew in the in the army, like that the leader of Afghanistan like siphoned this money off, right? And yeah. he was just a known fact. He was like taking money off for his own, right? Oh, and in the end, you saw him, you know, with suitcases of cash in his helicopter. Well, no, yeah. It was like over a hundred million dollars or yeah. something like that, or, or yeah. like tens of millions at least. So we're like we bankrolled this guy to, to, to abandon this country. Right, right, and then so of it was course, the same thing happening in Ukraine, right? Of course, you've also got the the Hunter Biden Burisma stuff over there, yeah. which is like that's an that's another deal. I'm, it's hard it's hard to say what's legit, what's not, um, or whether they hired him just to get in closer to the U.S. government, or whether he was actually providing you know some yeah. some legit services. Um, yeah, so there's, there's all sorts of things going on with that. But I mean, on the other hand, on the other hand. You have in America, we a lot of our growth, a lot of our key technologies are developed in the military. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and so the Internet came from the Department of Defense. I think no matter what happens in Ukraine, America is going to come out with a net net positive. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, Ukraine, it wasn't for us a NATO country giving the weapons and money. They would have been taken over by now. Oh, yeah. So it's I don't know. And then like. I remember this, there's a there's a retired journal that came out like CNN or Fox News one day when, when, when uh, it was like two months of the war with Ukraine, and the journal said like I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this, but the Russian military I equate them to the to the Vermont National Guard with nuclear weapons. <laughs> like no one's scared of the Vermont National Guard, but having nuclear weapons, we all be fucking scared of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Like damn. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's a lot of um, a lot of noise going on, a lot of people talking loudly. But I think the truth is somewhere kind of in the middle where, you know, I, I'm there's there's a lot of kind of um, conspiracy uh, how, you know, the, the uh, Russian spy chief and the American spy chief are meeting up. And mm -hmm. some people are saying some of this might be coordinated yeah. where both the, the U.S. and Russia are kind of getting rid of their old weapons mm -hmm. and getting ready to ramp up spending to yeah. refill those inventories. And and that's how economic cycles, um, yeah. th that has a huge impact on, on our economy. Uh, American weapons are probably the best in the world. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. there's certain categories where the Russians have some really good stuff, mm -hmm. like electronic warfare. Um, and uh, I think that what's 
true without a doubt is that American weapons are the most expensive in the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, they all come with a big fat price tag. And yeah. no matter what you think of how effective they are, we're going to be spending a lot of money in the coming, coming, uh, oh, yeah. you know, few years or decades to build finally. Yeah, no, we're building like new warships, new destroyers. I mean, right. there's something to say like you're a country and you, all of a sudden you see like four American warships off, off, the, right. off your, off your coastline. Like that's a pretty powerful message. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. I can't help but be cynical, you know, yeah. where, where it's like, how how much of the how much of this is solved in backroom deals? I know, already? right? Yeah, Zelensky is uh, certainly absolutely brave, but oh yeah, he's definitely stepped up. I like, who would imagine this comedian would be such a great leader? You know, at least give the appearance of being a great leader, right? I mean, yeah, but on the other hand, he is an actor. Yeah, and it it does seem like he's you know, it's uh, like this role is made for him. Like Joe Biden, you're reading from a certain teleprompter, yeah. right? And yeah. you've got a PR team around yeah. you, making sure everything's going according to plan. That you're giving the right image. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I can't help but be cynical. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah, <laughs> of course. The worst case scenario for a lot of Americans is like you know, talk about in the news, like you know, this war is going to drive. Russia to be better partners with China than China Russia going to combine and you know go go against us you know. It's really interesting you mentioned that actually. Um, uh, you've heard of 1984, I assume, right? George Orwell, uh, really famous novel. He talks about Big Brother, the surveillance state, all those concepts. But what a lot of people don't really know about that book is George Orwell had some really interesting ideas about geopolitics and economics. He talks about um, three major world powers, Oceania, East Asia, and Eurasia, uh, which kind of loosely correspond to the US, uh, Russia, and China. And what he said is uh, there's always two of those kind of powers that are at war with the other one. Mm -hmm. And every so often, every generation or so, they'll switch it up. Mm -hmm. So you'll have um, the two weaker ones team up against the stronger one. And when that stronger one goes through a crisis or falls, then there's a switching of the guard. One of them will rise up and then the other two will yeah. team up to fight against it. So maybe we are seeing this cycle at play where China's kind of taking a neutral side and Russia's really rolling the dice on this big conflict with the United States where there's a chance that this could end pretty badly for us in America. If, if there's some, um, some loss of the dollar dominance, we could have some really big financial crises yeah. here. And who's going to win out of that? China. Yeah. And, and so, you know, hypothetically, you could have this cycle play where China rises up, Russia's rising, and then the United States and Russia work together to go after China over the next 20 years. And that's kind of like defining our, our generation or our new generation. And can you imagine if you're not with those countries, imagine like you're like, I don't know, Peru or Brazil or like, you know, Switzerland, like your, your whole future of your country is like determined by what the other countries are doing, right? Yeah. And there's really nothing you can do about it. Yep. Except, except hope to pick the right side that you're on. Yeah, yeah. What else is interesting about Orwell? So he, he also talked about how um, production of military goods is like willful destruction of human labor. So uh, his, his idea is that if, if human beings are producing goods, then gradually our standard of living increases. Um, but if our labor is put into material that's intended to be destroyed, when you drop those bombs, you're destroying that labor. Yeah. So you're kind of like preventing the standard of living from going too high 
which is also really interesting. I mean, I think a good about. example, like we're talking about you know, us like protecting Japan and Korea, like think of all the money Japan and Korea didn't have to use on military stuff that they right. invest in, in the infrastructure. Like people realize, like if you go to Korea, there, there's so much more advanced than we are, right? Like we lived for three years back in 2005, 2008. And we're getting there, seeing satellite TVs on, on the on the roofs. You're like, mm-hmm. internet speed, like insanely fast, right? Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like now, 20, like almost 20 years later, right? Yeah. Like Korea, I know Korea is like stuff, like so more advanced technology than we are. Mm-hmm. Here's like, as long as I just have dollar speed internet over here sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, in America, we, we've got this system of capitalism where if you've got the money, everything's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe in, in countries like Korea or Japan, where it's more of a uh, collectivist society, maybe it's, it's easier to have access to higher level tech, yeah. um, where here you, you, need to, you need to be rich, basically. Yeah. I mean, I was there for I was the first weeks I was there. I see this old Korean lady. I mean, she was like pretty old, right? And I had a cell phone. I was downloading videos of her kid, right? I said, I'm pretty sure no 80 year old guy in, in States is doing this right now, right? But he's eight years old with a cell phone, downloading videos of his grandson, right? Yep. Like instantly. Yep. Like people have no clue. Yeah. So next, talk about your time at SMC Capital. What were you doing there? Yeah, well, actually, I was um, only on the advisory side. By the time I came on board to SMC Capital, they pretty much deployed all of their uh, investment fund. So what I was doing was helping portfolio companies out with their communications and um, kind of their tokenomics and outreach to, to different stakeholders. Uh, I was also on their events side. So we ran um, some different events. Uh, one of them was called um, ST Future, uh, basically focused on like tokenomics, tokenizing real estate and real world assets. Uh, the idea was that you can have a real world asset, like a piece of art or a building, and the ownership of it could be uh, basically implemented in tokens and distributed across a large amount of people. And so they're not in business anymore? They are now working on an incubator. Um and this is in Austin or New York City or where are they at? Out of New York. But okay. they're they're more of a distributed team. Okay. So okay. yeah. Uh, they, they move around quite a bit. When I was there, one of the partners was in New York. One of the partners was in Mykonos. <laughs> okay. Uh, but we were moving around all the time. And then you did some work at a company called, I think it's called SyncFi? Yeah, SyncFi. That's the one that just raised like $10 million recently. Right, exactly. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. SyncFi is like uh, the plaid for Latin America. That's what they want to be is uh, financial APIs for banks where, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of our uh, um, uh, online kind of financial things are really seamless these days. We can connect our bank account to our PayPal or Venmo. And, you know, you get some money on Venmo, you transfer it to your bank in a few days, it's there. Suddenly you've got, you know, 50 bucks in your bank account where it came through Venmo. A lot of that is handled through financial APIs. Mm -hmm. And um, the the biggest company in America that does that is called Plaid. Uh, They've been in business, they're they're now a unicorn, um, you know, over a billion dollar valuation and very, successful company. So SyncFi was trying to do similar things for the Latin American market. And so the $10 million y'all raised, was it out of United States VC, Latin America VC? There were different VCs involved, um, international and American. Yeah. And how would evolve you were you with the fundraising part of it? So early on, I was I was uh, fairly involved with sending out investor communications and um, trying to reach out to my own contacts who, who um, invest in different companies. And then I, I left in 
February, March of 2022 to be a full-time founder on my latest project. And they ended up raising in December, 2022. So what's the advice you can give people about their fundraise right now from your experiences with this? <laughs> Uh, my experience as a founder, as you know, uh, exposure to VC, exposure to companies that have fundraised. I think the most important thing is having traction, like a real business model. If you're looking to sell parts of your company off to VCs, that means you your business model won't be um, whole for a little while. Yeah. You're going to need somebody else to fund everything until you can actually generate revenue. Um, which if you can do it where you don't need outside help, that's the best oh, yeah. way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you can bring in uh, revenue to your company and be, you know, generating a profit and, uh, or at least being able to cover all your operating expenses, you're in a much better position. Um, not only as a company, but also as a, uh, for your fundraise. If you've got, um, you know, cash flow, if you've got product market fit, which means you understand why people are buying, why people spend money with you, then there's a lot easier of a case to be made to potential investors about why they should take a piece of your company. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of founders don't get it. Like VCs only fund like 1% of startups. And even that, that's no indicator to be successful, right? Yep. So many VC back firms, like, fail yeah. for a reason, right? Yeah. And I think uh, with a lot of VCs, they have, um, they have kind of like the, their niche, their trend mm -hmm. of where they, where they need to allocate money or where they prefer to allocate mm -hmm. money. Like, uh, for a lot of the big funds in crypto now it's infrastructure. And, um, if you're, if you don't fit nicely within their kind of, um, niche of investing, it's going to be pretty difficult for you to raise from them anyway. Yeah. And I know, I know a lot of like new, new founders, like pre founders, they only they only maybe 50,000, 100,000, right? But then a lot of VCs like, shit, we only write checks for a million dollars, right? Yep. I, I, well, I'll take a million dollars from you, don't be wrong, but I still need 50,000, right? And then there's no, like, nothing for them, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, VCs are also, if you've built a company before and sold it or scaled mm -hmm. it or um, spun it off, then VCs are going to be a lot more interested yeah just by default yeah and if you haven't that road's gonna be hard yeah especially if you're like coming from like middle america no one knows you whatever like like i don't kill me like people say no go to family and friends like i am the family friend right i have no family and friends right yeah yeah so. and, and i mean uh, <laughs> i think uh, so for for founders right and me being in that seat myself now this is, uh, expect to hear i think it's like 300 no's yeah before you get a single yes i, I think uh Man, Howard Schultz, Femi's heard like a thousand nineteen no's yeah. or something crazy like that. Easy. Easy. Like you gotta be mentally tough, right? You gotta be mentally tough. You gotta have true conviction that what you're doing not only is a good thing, but is actually a business. Mm -hmm. Because if you're building a company that it needs to be a business, that's the only way that determines your success. Like if you've got cash flow, yeah. if you've got people who who vote with their dollars for your company, yeah. that's the only way that you have a business. If you don't have that, yeah. maybe it's better to do something else. Yeah, so many people think I'll be an entrepreneur and be famous and like rich in six months, right? Yep. Like, of course, Apple's Apple, but most people realize Apple and not Apple like eight years in, right? It took right. eight years to like, figure shit out. I mean, eight yep. years, like, that's not a, that's a long time. And I mean, I think we're in Seattle, right? We, of course, the biggest company here, uh, Microsoft and Amazon. Yeah. But Amazon's story, Jeff Bezos, 
um, was running an online bookstore. Yep. And you come to a VC with that idea today, you're going to get laughed out of the room. Yeah, no, you want to get a meeting. You would, and even back then, they're like, yeah. online bookstore? But people don't even care and then, about books then, that and, then we, and then we told them how it worked. Yeah, they order a book. I, I go to Barnes & Noble, buy the book, and send it to them. Yeah. What? Yeah. Are yeah. you kidding me right now? Yeah, exactly. And yet... And yet, you know, 20 years later, generated profit, now one of the biggest companies I mean, in the just, world. Just AWS alone. Right. Like, you could break each component of Amazon, Amazon Prime, Amazon, whatever you want to call it, you know, Amazon this, Amazon, all the buy itself, like legitimate business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I joke around pretty soon to be Amazon everything, right? Mm-hmm. It has a chip, you're going to speak in your finger. Amazon, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, there was a comedian who was making a joke about Amazon Prime and, and how um, we, we are this, like, um, instant gratification culture where we need something as fast as possible yeah. and um you have you have in the future you have amazon now yeah amazon now yeah <laughs> you think you have it <laughs> yeah exactly you and then you'll have it. amazon before oh yeah where they it, real the, mind the yeah. ai can like figure out when your light bulb's coming out and i know right you, yeah you, you get something in your door as soon as you open the package suddenly bzz, 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 and your light bulb goes out and you realize why you need this thing <laughs> i mean it's a good time we're living in i think you know like a lot of people say this is the worst time ever like no it's not like Bubonic plague, uh, Europe was the worst time ever, right? You know, like the the Nazi war camps or com, uh, concentration camps, the worst time ever. Right now, I don't know if we're living the worst time ever, right? Well, who who was saying? Uh, I think it was Charles Dickens. It was the best of times. It was yeah. the worst of times. Yeah. It's kind of like we have totally different problems now. We have uh, um, a, a serious kind of like mental health yeah. problem. This here in Seattle. We were talking about kids who are obsessed with their phones from the from the time they're waddling around in diapers, and how does that super addicting technology? How is that going to like affect our mental health even ten years down the road? I know. Like, what what's the generation even going to look like? Just the this, this, this screen coming to your eyes twenty four seven, right? Yeah. Is that like maybe forty years from now? Like, like you know, I'm make this up. Like right now, if we say twenty percent of people wear glasses. It's 40 years, like 89% of people have to wear glasses because like at damage or written through like eye glare, what do you call it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It definitely advances to being now, of course, disadvantaged, you know, like, I don't know. It's interesting times. How about your founder journey? What What are you uh, uh, excited for? And I mean, how's it been being a founder with like from the mental health aspect? Uh, first of all, it, 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 I think like if I could suck sometimes, you know, yes, right? I know. Like, like in my mind, where I'm at right now, I should be here a year and a half ago, mm. and like I made mistakes, like hiring the wrong tech people, making wrong decisions, following wrong advice. No matter the advice was given, like in a good spirit, good attempt, like you know, just for sure. And then of course you lose momentum. Yeah. So like life stuff happens, you know, like you might have a personal emergency you got to take care of, or like right. Or then you, of course, you like like take shiny, you know, chase shiny objects, right? Yeah. Or, or waste time like helping someone else, thinking if you get help them, I can help you out. But then like they got a business, then you're like, fuck, like, I just wasted six months of my time. Yep. And, but, but you just have you have to like a conviction, right? You got to believe what you're doing, right? You gotta, yeah, for sure. You have a path. Like like I want to say, small business owners, time and money, HR, right? So that's what I want to do. That's my like core piece. But it's it's not easy, right? And of course, people come along like it, it's kind of like people like. Oh, Jason, you're over social media, you must, you're killing it. You, I know you make a lot of money. Well, actually, I'm not right. That's like all smoke and mirrors, right? What you got to do to make people to. think you're successful, right? Like, no one's going to buy shit from you. Like, it, like if you Google me, stuff comes up. So, hopefully, I have to get customers. No one's going to buy something from you that Google you and nothing comes out right. Yeah. You got to have some kind of credibility, so to speak, right? Right. Like somebody, people backing you up. Like, but it's, it's not an easy journey, right? And of course, people are like, oh, you should do this, you do that. 
it's not that easy, right? How long have you been doing it? If you ask my wife, a day too long. <laughs> so um, I got that idea back in 2016, I think. I did the LLC in 2017. I was still working in different companies. I did the um, corporation in 2018. Made, made, basically made a lot of mistakes, right? With, like One thing with me, like, like a lot of tech people that have, have a product here, marketing here, I'm kind of reversed. Like I've done great marketing, great branding. The tech's never caught up right. I just mm. think, so I'm actually hiring a, a, a actual... One thing with my tech journey, like I've always brought on people like like do me a favor, right? We'll help you out, right? But I was never the full time like focus, right? Yeah. I'm finally like gonna hire someone, pay someone like to be full time, right? So hopefully that helps out, right? Oh, that's awesome. Congrats, man. But it fucking sucks, right? Ain't a lie, right? Like like I tell people I do these panels, like different people, like it's not unicorns and rainbows, right? It's what about the funding situation? How's that been for you? Uh so I've never actually really gone all out funding, right? Um have you raised money from investors? Not yet, right? So I'm doing a crowdfunding campaign right now. I've done like all the equity crowdfunding. Yeah, on refunder, right? Of course, the plan is like I'm probably not. I'm probably too early to do a crowdfunding because like I don't really have that much traction, right? Like I have, a, I've had a couple of customers have letters, letters of intent, beta tested, right? Like someone told me you need a hundred or something, like either hundred beta tested, hundred user, right? So, but I've done the legwork. Like I have like a list of twenty people, people work on. Like, like I know like who invests in HR tech, different location, right? I have mm-hmm. a good network, you know, but it's. Yeah, it's and then like people tell like like marketers and investors will say, go sell your product if you're not ready, right? Mm. Like no one's gonna pay money for HR if there's not a product, right? Yeah, it's, it's not gonna happen. Like, I, have, I have a good friend, uh, Brandon Doyle. He has his company called Violet, and so they they put like a machine in your in your in your office space, and it cleans all the air, right? Yeah. Well, he learned like no one's gonna sell this buy this unless it works right. So you can't go, hey, buy this, you know, this this machine. It doesn't work yet, right? But pay me money every month, right? No one's gonna do that, right? So you, you gotta have a product. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the the argument would be that well, if you have a good product, you know, people are gonna buy it, buy it, right? It's just, it's like chicken egg thing all the time, right? Yep. Like one thing, like me, if I go back in time, I say I would learn how to code, right? But what I I don't know. I don't I don't have the skill set for that. I don't think you know, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so hard to build a team as a startup, right? It's just because you go through so many people, like. Like, cause like you tell me come, come work for me for free for six months, right? Well, they got shit they got to pay, right? Funding they do, right? Yep. And then you have equity, right? But I tell people equity, like, suppose you come work for me, right? I say, hey, I'm gonna give you two percent equity of the company. I'm also tell you, hey, see that pot of gold and rainbow? It's all yours, baby. <laughs> Probably ain't gonna fucking happen, right? And like, I tell people too, like, the equity set up, like, it's basically set up to seal the fuck over, right? All the problems in the CR, right? Because you have this cliff vesting for 12 months. Yep. You work for me 11, 11 months. Like, fuck. I ain't going to pay Alec this fucking equity shit. You're fired, right? Yep. And it's, it's, it's of course, it's like that, you know? But that's the way it is, right? But startups, it's, it's a lot of fun to be wrong, right? Like, you can, like, maybe a Tuesday afternoon, take an hour off, have a beer with a friend, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a hassle, right? It's, or, like, a lot of people, two, two things. If you want to make a lot of money, you probably just need to get a regular job. And number two, if you're a founder, you probably get a mental health checkup. Cause like you have to be fucking mentally insane to do this, do this shit right. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, it's, guilty. It's, <laughs> yeah, and as far as taking care of yourself, like people say, oh, I wake up in the morning, I fucking do you know meditations, exercise. I try to do that once in a while, but a lot of times I wake up in the morning, get on the phone, and go to work. Right. I mean, it's like there's so much time in the day, right? Yeah. And we all can't have personal service like Elon Musk does. That's true. That's true. Hopefully one day though. I mean, um, I don't know if you, do you follow Madrona Ventures? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're a local Seattle fund here. Um, I followed them on LinkedIn. Uh, and it, it's interesting seeing the kind of companies that they're looking at and investing mm -hmm. at. Uh, investing in i think uh what's what's really big obviously we're in a hype cycle for ai right yeah. now if you're an ai company doing ai infrastructure so madrona they had an event a couple weeks ago i went to they was like a based on ai founders and stuff they had all the ai founders doing a panel stuff you know? nice that's pretty good but they're talking about uh ai agents who can you know be your personal assistants okay without needing to hire a personal assistant yeah which that's coming. That's oh, going to yeah. be a, a really big, big market, I think, uh, in the next 10 years, probably, where your personal assistant is going to live in the cloud and you're going to be yep. able to interact through your phone. Yep. It's like it was going to have the Jasper, you know, like Iron Man's Jasper, you know, yeah. it was going to have a Jasper. Right, right, right. All powerful Jasper. It's going to be able to do all your social media posting, yeah. and all your appointment booking, and your taxes, and your hiring, and, you know, all that fun stuff, posting the job descriptions. Yeah. I watched something the other day where, like, you know, like, like, like call centers, right? Now, call center might be someone from India calling, right? Yeah. They, they say AI is going to be set up where, like, suppose you're in Brooklyn or South Africa, South, you know, Texas. Mm -hmm. The person is calling you to be sound exactly like you. Yeah. Like the accent would be like, oh man, you're from my town in Texas or you're from whatever case may be, the same exact accent, right? Well, who was it that was saying um, all you need is three seconds of somebody's voice mm -hmm. before the AI can, yeah. can like fully mimic every single like intonation to, to a high degree of confidence. And I know that there are some scams out there where, yeah. you know, they're, they're calling people's kids and getting three seconds of their, their kid's voice yeah. and then calling the parents with the kid's voice saying, Hey, I'm in trouble. And what's my social security number. And suddenly, you know, one thing leads to another and you've got a, a loan in your name where I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, or, or you're like, Oh shit, I used to have 25,000. Now I'm not like negative $10. What the fuck happened? Right. Right. Your account gets drained or, or whatever, uh, which is which is pretty crazy because, I mean, now in, in an age when anything can be spoofed mm -hmm. and these models are getting better and better and better every day, every single interaction we have with MidJourney or ChatGPT makes it better. Yeah. I know one thing is entrepreneur, like people say, how do you feel as an entrepreneur? My thing is like, you don't feel as an entrepreneur until you quit, right? Obviously, you're going to go on, but you know. But having said that, sometimes I still always have was the ability to quit, right? Because I'm a like, man, I just want to quit, but I, I can't write. Like the really the ability that's quit, like do something else, right? But you gotta keep yeah. on going. It's yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough journey, right? So many people are doing it, you know. Of yeah. course, there's like a lot of wannapreneurs out there who are just doing it because like go networking and do stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And of course, like you know, is it, it, a is a is a better place to do it in Seattle? Maybe not. Maybe San Francisco, right? But you know, New York, yeah, Austin, Miami, yeah, Miami. Austin. Can you imagine being an entrepreneur? You want to start a, like a tech company, and you're like in Bismarck, North Dakota. No, I can't imagine. Or Omaha, Nebraska, or like you know, mm -hmm. like I mean, just a different advantage of being here, right? You're a needle in a haystack, that's for sure. <laughs> you're a different advantage of being here, right? Just the networking you do, people yeah. you meet, right? And most people generally do want to help you out, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Seattle's got a, a growing ecosystem. I think finally we're starting to figure out we need to we need to step up our game and yeah. um, make use of all the tech resources yeah. and talent that we've got out here. Yeah, so I have some criticism. Like, Seattle is like in the Seattle area, like you like you have investors who like they're like you know I only invest in like fundable business, right? But I know these ten startup founders were told no. Can you get a meeting here? Went to New York, New York, San Francisco, Austin, like funding with six months, right? Yeah. Like how did they go fund somewhere else gets funding in six months, right? Like what's going on here, right? And of course, another criticism of Seattle, like there's all these silos, right? You know, talking those like Watch the American Incubator, Founders Live, there's like New Tech Northwest, 
there's like Startup Haven, um, what's his name? Uh, there's a Tacoma Ventures. All these things have events that like they're like solid. No one communication seems like you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's changing though. I it mean, is changing. Yeah, I know. I know. We're finally starting to figure some things out up, up here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I know. Seattle's like it takes like it, it seems like you know. Of course, slightly exaggerated. Like you got to you got to give your firstborn son or point of blood to talk somewhere, right? Right. <laughs> you go to you go to the Bay Area. I went there one time. Like. I had like six meetings in the first day, right? Yeah, I'll nice. talk to you, right? Just like instantly, right? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, come talk to me, right? I got some time, right? Yeah. That shit ain't happening in Seattle, right? Yeah. Unless you know someone, know someone, right? Which is unfortunate, right? It is. But of course, San Francisco, I have like, you know, I think every $100 of VC money there, Seattle has a work of one. Right. Every 100 VC firms has one here. So like, you know, it's a different story, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, what I'm kind of getting um, in, in my, my own startup journey is that if you can run a business and your business generates the cash flow, then don't take the VC money if you don't yep. need it. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of those guys, I mean, if they're not like, if they're not going to be able to give you contracts or mm-hmm. contacts yeah. or a sales funnel, then I mean, like, what kind of partner like, are they really going to be? I know, right? And like, I joke around, like, what's the test to be a VC, right? Besides a lot of money, right? A lot, like, you know, that's not VC. A lot of people in general, like, you and I hire to cut, cut your grass, right? Like, I'm gonna go on business with you. And you, you like what, what's going on here, right? Yeah, like, they're, they're smart people. Oh, always, yeah. Oh, yeah. generally. Also, what I've noticed about VCs is they're usually like weirdly nice. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, they never want to say no. <laughs> yeah, but it's, maybe it's, it's, it's the number. Maybe it's the number award. Maybe you'll get back with me, or, or, or get with me. Have more traction. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. How much more traction do you need? Yeah. How many? How many ways are there to say no? I <laughs> know. Uh, right. Just tell me no. Yeah. And then, like, you know, the joke I've heard people say, like, in Seattle, like, like here, they want you to have, like, A-round metrics for a pre-seed round, right? Mm-hmm. Like, shit. Like, what's going on here, right? Yeah. But then, you know, they invest in a lot of good companies, a lot of good companies doing good stuff here in Seattle. So maybe this matter just being people and being haters, like, no, like, not want to, like, you know, give credit what credit's due, right? Right. But Seattle's, like, definitely a place to be doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- see, for my, my project, I think... What's nice about Seattle is we've got a lot of gamers here. The weather is really crappy. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, there's about um, seven months out of the year that are unusable <laughs> here, um, where, you, where you really just, I mean, you're incentivized basically to stay indoors, uh, which makes it great for building a product that people like to use indoors. And um, I think that's one of the one of the draws for Seattle for tech talent is there's a lot of uh, incentive to be indoors and work indoors and play indoors uh, in Seattle for a large part of the year, um, which is interesting. Yeah, we're talking about tech talent. Like a lot of people, are like man, Jason, I don't understand we have a problem with tech talent. You got all these the Amazon, Microsoft. Yes, exactly. They're paying them two hundred, two fifty thousand right. dollars. You know. That kind of leads for a startup. Yep. And if they're really good, they're starting their own startup, right? Yep. So it's just like, yeah, it's, it's a hassle. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So next, are you still with Stellar Dream or is that something in the past? Stellar Dream is my comic book. Okay. Um, that's uh, a brand that we are uh, spinning out under our uh, main company, Thigio. So uh, the main company that I'm building is Thigio. It's an entertainment technology company. We've got a few different products that we're building, including a digital interactive comic book and a uh, hybrid physical digital board game, which we'll be spinning out into a fully digital game as well. 
um, yeah, we're building the technology in house. We um, have a lot of commitments to GitHub and um, we've got a lot of user testing going on. What's really interesting about building a physical digital product, like a, a board game, mobile game, mm -hmm. is that when you're playing in person with people, you can iterate really quickly. Uh, so you can see how people really react and adjust the game as needed based on real experiences that you get to see firsthand. Okay. Yeah. And so it's like under your Thigio brand? Right. Okay. Yeah. So you, you, you've done like pitching for your company before. Like you, you did Founders Live recently, oh, right? Oh, yeah. How, how was that experience? Founders Live, it's great. I mean, um, I think being able to synthesize your pitch in 99 seconds that's fucking tough. is tough. I did last year. That's fucking tough. It's tough. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's part of it is being able to tell a good story. I really enjoyed working with uh, some of the storyteller um, kind of resources that Founders Live provides. Yeah, they provide your coach for free and all kind of stuff. Right, right. And it helped me refine my own pitch. Um, so I've got it down to where I can tell a story in under three minutes. Okay. Uh, and, and it's really helpful, I think. Talk about the, why should founders go out and pitch, like put me, like building public pitch all the time, right? Why should, why should, why should a founder or uh, anyone put this up out there, so to speak? Yeah, so it's, it's a great opportunity to refine your pitch. I think that's probably first and foremost. If you can convince an audience of more or less kind of savvy people, you know, people who come in with different experiences, but who have general understanding of the, the uh, founder ecosystem. If you can con uh, convey your ideas to that audience in, in 99 seconds, you're going to be able to convey ideas to investors in a short amount of time in an effective way. I think that's probably the, the biggest uh, um, uh, takeaway from, from pitching at an event like that. There's also really good contacts that come out of it, no matter what. Oh, if yeah. you put yourself on stage and people resonate with your idea, they'll come talk to you and maybe those those uh, meetings will evolve into something, something bigger. There are investors that go, there are VCs that go, there are um, entrepreneurs that go, angel investors, uh, different types of uh, groups, um, or investment organizations and incubators, accelerators that attend, which all of those resources are super helpful, especially for really early stage entrepreneurs uh, and founders. So uh, th those can also turn into really great opportunities. I know we talked earlier about what they teach in school. So two things I say should teach school. One is like sales and public speaking. It's kind of the same thing, right? Like I think you should be able to get in front of people and convince them to do what you want to do at our yes. age, right? I mean, it's invaluable, right? Yeah. And I think if you're a public speaker, if you get in front of a, a group of people, they're going to automatically assume that you're an expert, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you, get, like if you get up and talk about sales or marketing or simulation, they're going to think, if Alex makes a simulation, he must be a simulation expert, right? Yeah. And then, of course, that's you to prove that you're not an expert, right? Yeah. Whether you talk, right? But yeah, I think it's very important that founders get them and, and, and spread the story, whatever your case may be, right? Yeah. But so many people don't do that, right? Speaking of persuasion, though, that's really interesting. It just reminded me of our AI conversation, you know, and um, I watched this video recently of uh, some some very plugged in people talking about some of the potential dangers of where AI could go. And if, if you're if we're if we're going to build a bot, an AI chat bot or, or some kind of AI tool that's focused on persuasion mm -hmm. and imagine letting this thing run wild with people, trying to persuade them of certain concepts or um, um, products, you know, and then over 10 years, that's all it does is just gets really good at persuasion. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, there's good things. We can hire someone like that to do some of our automated sales, but then there's bad things as certain politicians can 
you know, use that kind of technology yeah. to promote certain messages that then can resonate better with, with yeah. audiences. And what if like you go, you could go brand and go back to your soft parts are like, you know, like, like suppose like you have a soft part for like lollipops, right? Yep. And so they know if you want to say something, you know, have a lollipop in there, or, you know, in case maybe, or maybe, maybe like a, a old lady back the day gave you a, a sandwich you were hungry, like, so you, you have, you have plenty of old ladies, like, it's, it's almost portrayed like so much bad stuff can happen on first year, right? Yeah. And on a channel, they're doing like all the social stuff on channel, like they're tracking your social scores or whatever, and right? Like, just fucking scary as shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing about channel, like, like, it's good and bad. Like in China, there's a picture. Like in China, they made a, they built a bridge like a day, right? Yeah. How long was this thing do this in America? Like this, some this pothole has been like twenty years, right? You know, like. <laughs> but again, do you want to go to what the China's doing to make it like that? I don't know, right? It's yeah. it's it's scary and impressive too, right? Yeah, it's impressive. You build a city, but then if there's no one that lives there, what's the point of the city? Yeah, and just like the city they're building, I think Saudi Arabia is like they put like ten million people in a two block area or something crazy like that. You know, yeah. like. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking like all the rats, all the roaches, all the feces, all the racing, though, but I guess I'm trying to get all out there, right? Well, I mean, if you're in the desert, it's, you got you get different problems, I guess. Yeah, that's true, too, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, people have good ideas about bad judgment, I think, you know? Yeah. What do you think about comic books? You ever get into those? Yeah, I used yeah. to be a big comic book guy. Really? Yeah. Spider-Man. Spider-Man? Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man. Marvel? Marvel Universe? I'm always spending like, so much time at the bookstore. I was too poor to buy comics. I go to the bookstore every day to read them all real fast, you know? Yeah. I've been a big Spider-Man do you, fan. Do you read any comic books online? No. Not these days? I've read a comic book in a long time, actually. Yeah. Besides the movies and stuff, yeah. Right, right, right. I think um, it's really interesting because now you have a lot of different platforms where mm-hmm. creators can get their stuff out. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people make new comic books, you know. And then, like, AI, like, you read a comic book and Spider-Man just pops out, right? Yes. Hey, Jason, you 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 get to do the story, right? Yep. You know, like. does Pick your own adventure. Yeah. Does, does Peter Parker go on a date with Mary Jane or does he go fight the octopus, right? You yeah. Know? Does he do this? He do that, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Spider Man's always been like that. Uh, that that he would like this always like goes wrong. Like the last Spider Man movie where he had to give up with like um, Mary Jane to save the world, right? Now no yeah. one knows he's Spider Man, right? And it's like so like always happened to Spider Man, unfortunately, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. He's the not the anti hero, but the, yeah. Yeah, I, our, with our comic book, um, I think we have a, a pretty interesting idea where. People can own characters okay. in a comic book. And you're gonna do? Are you doing NFTs that kind of stuff? Yeah, we are okay. doing some NFTs uh, with with our comic book. Uh, if you want, we do have a prototype of how we uh, how our experience goes on our website. Uh, so the the concept is you can click on a character and there. You want me to you pull up your website? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. This one here, right? Yeah. So okay. if you scroll down. Oh, that's that means I need to go I'll okay. renew my parking pretty soon. Okay. Uh, if you scroll down, there is a uh, keep going a little bit further. There's a section called Stellar Dream. Keep going right here. Okay. So if you click on that, that takes you to our comic book. That's what our comic book's called. And what our concept is, if you hover over one of these characters, it highlights. And when you click on it, you can then click on this image and it'll take you to the character. So that's kind of the concept that we're building right now. So, so off topic, like how, how do you decide how to design these characters? Like some design for you, you did like some kind of user testing? Our co-founder is in Tokyo. Okay. Uh, well, outside of Tokyo. 
He's uh, worked in the, the gaming and kind of uh, illustration, comic illustration okay. scene for, for quite a while. So for, with these characters, we actually based them on real people. Okay. Um, and what we want to do is we want to give brands the opportunity to own characters in these, these stories as well. So imagine if you had a, um, like a mobile phone brand or a fast food brand that's able to own their own character and then get a, exposure to, to an audience that way. Okay. That's kind of our idea. And can people like make their own characters and bring them to your game? Yeah, that's what we want to do as well. So uh, these are the main characters. These are what we call the god levels. Okay. Um, but then we also want to have secondary characters. The psychedelic jam. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So powered by LSD and messing with mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They all have unique powers that are tied to different things, and um, you know they start out at, at this rough concept stage, but then they can be customized. But in the future, we want it to be where any person can make a character that looks like them uh, and be a secondary character in the comic book. Um, yeah. So how long does it take for your guy like to develop a character? From like, like, I'm going to make a character, the bourbon guy, from <laughs> making the bourbon guy actually like having it like all done. I'm sure it's a pretty long process. Yeah, it's a pretty long process. It, it can take up to a month. Just doing illustrations and get the stuff down. And yeah, depending colors. on how many like back and forth iterations there are. So if there's um, you know some um, uh, feedback loops where we have to go back and change some things a few times, then you know up to two months. And uh, so this was a comic book. Yeah, is the idea like make turn a comic into a video game in the future? Yeah. So we've got a, uh, a like I mentioned our board game, mobile game. If you want, you can play that video. That'll give people uh, the loom, uh, the other tab. Yeah, that one. Okay. That'll give that'll give people an idea. Change the speed to one x. Yeah, one x. Yeah. Just push play. Yeah, just push play. Hi everyone. My name is Alec Maslow, and I'm the founder of Figio. Last summer, I created a game with my nephew. We built a maze out of sticks and moved stone game pieces around the map, collecting bark and defeating pinecone enemies as we went along. That's your son. That's my nephew. Nephew. In real life, he loved it so much he made me promise to build. Oh, we invented this game at a park. Create ultimate fantasy battle or UFB. Over the last year, I've tested this game thousands of times with hundreds of players and launched an app live on the Apple App Store. Just like a video game, you can pick your map character, and game mode. The maps in UFB are mazes with pathways that are defined by walls. Our first production map is called Kraken, but we have more coming soon. We're planning to release 100 playable characters called God Levels. Each of these collectible game characters will have its own unique ultimate move that can change the course of the game when you use it. When you connect to a room in UFB, the app randomizes the game pieces and tells you where to place them on the board. It tracks your stats and inventory and handles all of the attacks. You start out with a certain amount of energy that you can increase by collecting treasures and defeating monsters. You can use energy to move across the board or attack, and your ultimate goal is to defeat the other players. Having an app opens up a world of possibilities. In the future, we want to launch a cooperative game mode we also want to add animations for every attack and action. We're open sourcing the Unity code so fans can create their own game modes and kids can learn how to code. Imagine being able to create your own custom character or game map and getting them delivered to your door. We're excited to be building an augmented reality version of our game as well. 
UFB is connected to our original comic book called Stellar Dream. Each of the god levels is a character in the comic book as well. What's unique about our technology is you can click on a character and find out more information. UFB is at the crossroads of video games, mobile games, board games, and comic books, some of the biggest markets in the entertainment space. We can do some really cool and fun things in the space as we grow. We also want to release a fully digital version of our game in the future. We're a team of developers, artists, and nerds with experience in gaming. You said a nerd? Yeah. That's why we believe we're the right team to make this happen. With your help, game night will never be the same again. Yeah, so the idea is we have these characters that are main characters in a comic book and playable characters mm -hmm. in a game. Okay. Um, so there's like this cross-platform ownership. We want to then, you know, do some co-ownership of IP where if we do merchandise, we'll share revenue and um, th those kinds of things. So hoping to... And so how long have you been working on this? Uh, well, I started it. <laughs> it started as a uh, started as a fiction novel back in college. Um, in my undergrad, went around 2011 when I started writing, and then in 2019, I started working with my co-founder in Japan okay. to turn it into a. a how, how do you find a co-founder in Japan? How did that come about? Actually, through my time at SMC Capital. Okay. So we had this uh, event in Los Angeles for um, one of our clients. Uh, they were looking to raise money. Um, so we, we hosted a private dinner for them and invited investors to come. Um, and I, you know, got to drinking with one of the investors at the event who happened to be from Japan. And so that's how that relationship started. Um, so how do you, y'all been different country, how do y'all communicate? Uh, Line. Okay. <laughs> the mess messenger app. It has automatic translations built in. What's, what's called again? Line. 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 Okay. It's like the WhatsApp for Japan. Okay. All right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what, what's the what's the um, plan for the Gio moving forward? Yeah, so we're actually going to be launching a crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter okay. in the coming weeks. I remember you telling me that the boat trip we did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the idea is we want to sell game boxes. Mm -hmm. um, equity crowdfunding sounds pretty interesting, but. I also, I think that what we want to do in the beginning is to show that we've got traction, yeah. actually make some sales going, produce some things, ship them to folks, and then um, around October, November, start looking at a VC raise, okay. start talking to, to potential investors. So what, what's some, um, here's a question for you. How does Thigio fail? When I quit. <laughs> when I say it's over, that's when it's over. That's it. So so back to AI real fast, right? Yeah. So this is my challenge AI, right? I think the big thing you got like like who codes the AI, right? Is it a good person, bad person? Is a bad person code AI and they have the AI do do bad things, right? How do you prevent that, right? Like how do you know who's actually coding this stuff? Like how you know open AI with Sam Almond is being coded correctly, like in a in a value based way, right? And like some AI is being done like maliciously wrong, right? Like how you go back to the core, the core set and validate, okay, Jason is coding this AI thing. Jason is a good person. He has the, the best intention for the earth in, in his mind, right? Versus, okay, fucking Adolf Hitler has AI capability. He's fucking, you know, doing this fucking crazy shit, right? Like how do you prevent that, right? No, that's, the problem's even deeper than that, I think. Uh, so going back to Russia, Russia has some air defense uh, units that can make fully autonomous 
shoot downs mm -hmm. of flying objects, um, which obviously, you know, you use AI to track and then to execute firing the missile. Mm -hmm. um, so so the, tech, the kind of Terminator technologies already there. You know, Russia also has some unmanned uh, tank robots that, that use AI. And sure, you can conceptualize somebody coming in and hacking those things or, or like um, uh, uh, hacking the server that controls those things. Um, and it's the same with with a lot of these AI models. Like what if what if you can really easily download those AI models and tweak some of the parameters uh, it wouldn't matter if the intention is good. Yeah. It wouldn't matter if the underlying code is quote unquote good. If you can tweak the parameters to however you want them to be, then their intentions may not even matter. You may be able to make of it whatever you want, regardless of, of their intentions. Even worse, what if you could hack, you know, some of their servers or some of their, um, um, like where, where the, um, processing is done and, tweak some of the parameters in real time where it affects millions of users. Um, I'm sure, you know, these companies have top of the line security where there, there's millions invested into that, but well, it's, it's possible. proven everything you get hacked. Yeah, there's no exactly. such things that unhackable system, unfortunately, right? Right, right. So if you can get into those systems and manipulate the parameters, uh, and, and have those manipulations then go out to millions of people, you can do some real harm. Yeah. Um, I think there's... And the challenge is a lot of people already know the harm is being done to them. Right. They think it's an everyday thing. Yeah, exactly. So if we are in, if we are in a simulation, does that mean that free will is a force and a fake thing? That goes this thing is free will for the simulation? I knew we were going to get into philosophy. Yeah. You want to um, know the drink fast? Yeah, sure. Which one do you want to try? Um, I'm open. Whatever, whatever. You're the guest. So you you feel like it. pouring. Yeah. Man, I I know I want to try this small batch. This one, okay. <laughs> of course, but um, you know, if that's the that's the nice one. I want to try Russell Brands as well. I'm curious about that. Oh, so it's not Russell Brands liquor. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's a this thing. This thing. This Russell's thing brand. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Oops. I just I just picked that up. I just got that. Yeah. My mistake. So hopefully this is worth the money, but who knows. Looks pretty good. Yeah, oh, did a good job on the on the. On the I, I didn't like the bottle. Yeah. Um. Cheers. Thank you. Pleasure being here. I like the smell. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Uh, sorry, so, could you repeat the question? Um, <laughs> Actually, I forgot what I asked you. Oh, one, one regret I have, one regret I have is that it took me so long to go from Jack Daniels and being like real bourbon, right? Yeah. Like, I wasted so many years drinking fucking crap bourbon, right? Yeah. And, this, and first of all, like, who realizes there's like literally hundreds and thousands of bourbons in the world, right? Yeah. You go to a liquor store, like, I, I, I have a friend in Houston, he has like a, he has a bar, he has a hundred bottles of bourbon. Yeah. All different. Different places, yeah. Different tastes, yeah. You were asking something about simulation. Oh yeah, it's oh yeah, is a if we are a simulation, does that mean free will is the fucking fake free will. thing? Yeah. Right, free will. Does, does, I'm glad we got a drink how, before how, that. How can it be free will if we're in a simulation? It's it's really interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, it, in my TEDx talk um, back in 2017, the Japanese were working on this robot. Uh, I think it was called Alter. Uh, basically, the the robot um, has a central um, pattern generator or, or something like this where if you, uh, the, the robot is humanoid, so it's got 
hands. And if you interact with its hand. And to be clear, we're not talking about the Japanese sex robots, right? Not yet, but those are coming. Oh, and it's only a matter of time before we uh, never marry a human again, because the sex robots are going to be the absolute perfect partners that you could ever want. Until the, the plastic rubs off and you're and, and nothing with gears. <laughs> hey, man, maybe that's what gets some people going. I don't know. Um, but the 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 robot's able to this learn. Really good. Yeah, I like that a lot. The robot's <laughs> able to learn from your handshakes and then create its own. Oops, <laughs> create its own handshakes based on its experiences with you. Is that free will? Is that like how do you define free will? I, I mean, uh, if if we had a a fully uh, like a, a concept of fully free will, we could just do whatever we imagined, yeah. right? Yeah. Fly or change shape or um, age up and down, just, you know, magic. We don't. Our will is constrained based on physical principles. Mm -hmm. So we don't have what's, what, you know, is, is free will in the yeah. sense of the free. Yeah. Um, but, but we have an ability to make choices and the ability to make mistakes. Um, and will AI replace that? That's what you're kind yeah. of wondering, yeah. right? Yeah. You imagine a future where we, we were joking, right? You have Amazon before yeah. where Amazon predicts what you need mm -hmm. and sends you the product before you even know you need to buy it. And, and if you say, I don't want this, they're like, no, you do want this. You need this. You need this. You might know this, but you need this. And we were also talking about how uh, some of these venture capital funds are starting to invest in AI agents. Mm -hmm. And some of these agents are handling all your social media, yeah. right? So you can imagine if this technology starts to really gain some traction, where you have a social media that's just full of AI talking yeah. to each other, where literally all the messages, all the replies, all the comments, all the likes are just yeah. AI gaming the algorithm. Yeah. And nobody even needs to bother writing real stuff anymore. No. Because, fake, so to speak. because the AI knows what we want to see more than we do and is able to game these um, algorithms so much better than we are uh, to to like basically make it a playground for for robots. Um, what happens in that case? What happens when our we were joking about sex robots, but I don't think. I don't think this is a joke, man. I think uh, like if we can get that cost low enough mm -hmm. and you get uh, AI to basically inhabit a humanoid robot that can look exactly like you want with all the, you know, the some fine guys details. can do some cost analysis, you know, I bought this robot for, we'll say $200,000, but I never have to pay for a date and have to do this and have to do that. No divorce. Yeah, I guess I'll keep my money, you know, and this, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I mean, yeah. So the robot, you, you think maybe it'll be too nice and we'll miss some of that, you know, pushback, but mm. that's not hard to program either. No, yeah. You can, you can have a little bit of pushback in the robots as well. And suddenly like you have a question, like, why do we, why do we need, um, why do we need human interaction yeah. anymore? Like uh, Tom back to Rick and Morty's episode where you we went back to time, like what is, what is reality, right? And so when his, his, he was married before his wife died, he programmed like this robot, like this voice to be like his wife, right? Mm -hmm. Annoying as fuck, press <laughs> your back, like, you suck, you know, Rick, yeah. blah, blah. I'm like, oh, now I know I never come back here. I, <laughs> I programmed you too good, right? Let me, let me get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in that kind of world, like, what, what, what are we... What are we living for? Like when we can have AI replace a lot of our human experiences and um, 
and human needs, like basically satisfy them to a T. What, what is free will in that sense? Are we just ready is, for the metaverse? Is it really point? free will? It's like people tell you do over and over again, right? You remember the movie, The Matrix? Yeah. When Neo comes and meets Agent Smith for the mm -hmm. first time in that high rise mm -hmm. and uh, Agent Smith tells him, we've actually created six simulations mm -hmm. in the past. Yeah. And unfortunately, you didn't buy it when we made it perfect. Yeah. We made a perfect world and you hated it. Yeah. So we made this world where there's some uncertainty and challenges and that's where we are. That's the matrix. Mm -hmm. um, so in a sense, maybe, you know, <laughs> you have in history, you have these big collapses, like the Mayan civilization yeah. disappeared. Um, in a sense, we can imagine a world where it's just no reason to live in it anymore no reason to engage with it anymore. You just, it's just there to maximize your desires and wants and plug every hole that you didn't even know you had. Have you heard this? I have no idea if it's true or not. I should actually research this. Well, supposedly the Matrix and Terminator are, are tied together. The person, one person wrote both of those stories supposedly and they're tied together. Really? Yeah, I gotta need to research that. I have not heard yeah. that. Matter of fact, let me do that real fast. I know the Wachowskis, who are now the Wachowski sisters, if I'm not mistaken, or previously the Wachowski brothers. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they wrote The Matrix, but we might have to double check. Despite being very different films, both Terminator and The Matrix explore the idea of a future which machines take over. Oh. I'm pretty sure I want to say the same person wrote a book, but I'm maybe. Terminator in the Matrix. Oh, Google's getting smarter. Oh, and biblical. Shit. There you go. So I didn't make it up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, they, they come from the same kernel yeah. of, of thought, but the authors are, are different. No, it's, no it's, it's the same author. This one lady wrote it. I, I think she's an author of a... Oh, no, yeah, you're right. So Sophie Stewart claims a 1981 unpublished book called Third Eye, blah, blah, blah. Formed the basis. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So there's something to it, but not as much as I think. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we, we have uh, this this habit of standing on the shoulders of giants, mm -hmm. right? Where yeah. a lot of the greatest work comes from smaller works yeah. that people have created with original thought, which are also based on previous things. And we're building on top of what happened in the past. So without a doubt, there's, you know, they, they come from the same root. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think that, yeah, we're, we're exploring some really uncharted terrain now. Nothing too like, like people don't realize how far advanced we've come, right? Like, I listen to one podcast. This guy, like, it's unbelievable. I've come from playing Pong to AI, right, in one generation, right? Yep. I mean, what's the word where like you double everything? Like everything's like double, double, double. Moore's law. Yes, yeah. Like people don't realize that's a real deal, right? In, in everything, right? So far, it's been we're getting, it's like, been holding. We're, we're yeah. not like gone back in, in advancement, except I guess back in the day with the the library of uh, Alexandria got destroyed. We lost all the knowledge, right. but of course, we're back in time then. But we usually, like. Like you get smarter, smarter. Yeah, tech gets better. It's, it's some amazing things, amazing things going on. Yeah, for sure. There's I mean, some scary shit going on too. They also say that the whatever we have now in the mainstream consciousness that the the military is about twenty years ahead of us. Oh yeah, you know, 
Yeah. And uh, we, I, I mentioned briefly, right? Where did the internet come from? It's a invention of the Pentagon, yep, you Pentagon, know, yeah. Department of Defense, yeah. uh, all, all those those guys. So um, they've had AI technology for quite a while now. Oh, yeah. They've been experimenting with it, and uh, yeah. I mean, in a certain sense. I don't think that we can release AI into the public without having the stamp of approval yeah. from the Department of Defense. Yeah. Like they need to know that terrorists or whatever yeah. bad actors aren't going to be able to use this tech to reverse engineer a nuclear bomb, yeah. for example, right? Or create some sort of death laser, you know? Yeah. Um, and with the military, like, all that, you hear all these UFO signs, right? Is it UFOs or is this the military doing stuff, right? Mm. Can you remember when the, South, when the South bomber first came out back in the like, late 90s, whatever it was? Like, yeah. you're just amazed. Oh, shit. Now everyone has technology, right? So what's the next level, you, you know? You know, I'm a cynic. I'm a cynic. I always think that, like, you've seen that movie Wag the Dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where, oh, yeah. you know, in news cycles and media reporting, there's, there's, sometimes it's, you know, genuine, but other times it's like you play the hype to distract from other things yeah, that are exactly. going on. Like, uh, I don't know who, who was, uh, who, who it was that was reporting on that submarine, but apparently the, the, um, the, the White House knew that, it was a lost cause yeah. early on, you know, and rest in peace to, to everyone involved. But then you're, you're kind of milking this unfortunate event yeah. to distract from certain other things like maybe Hunter Biden's. Yeah. I mean, what is the real or, news story, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe there's like a, I don't know, another deadly disease being manufactured somewhere. Not going to report it on. Right. 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 And then what, 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 what's important to one person might be important to someone else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, maybe a famous singer dies over the news. Like, I didn't like her music. Why, why more so this is, you know, like, of course, all the local stuff going to different cities and stuff, you know. And it's almost like there's so much information out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. If no one knows what's important to you, I don't know. It's Drowning in information, that's for sure. How do you, like, decipher it and do all that stuff? Yeah. It's, I don't know. Sometimes I think ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. Well, like, like we were talking earlier, the best of times, the worst of times, you know, there's a double-edged sword. It's a two-headed or two-sided coin. Um, <laughs> what do we do? We just have to keep chugging along, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So we met, I think one thing, one, so one time I've been an entrepreneur, maybe it's me, my, my, my time is that all jacked up, right? Like mm -hmm. something happened two weeks ago. I think it happened a year ago. Mm -hmm. Something happened yesterday. Like, it's like my shit is like, like one time my wife asked me, do you even know what day it is? I said, yeah, what day is it? It's the day that ends with a little Y. <laughs> like, what else do you know, right? <laughs> but we met like recently on a, on a, on a boat cruise with W, it was a Stark 253. Uh, Maritime Blue. So why, what's in, why, why is it important like uh, us like get out of the network and meet, meet new people? Yeah, no, I think uh, human interaction exposes you to different ideas and different people. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know um, if your meeting is going to turn into a podcast yeah. uh, in a few weeks or if you're going to suddenly get some revolutionary idea yeah. from from somebody that transforms your business or if you're going to find your co-founder mm -hmm. or somebody that's going to you know build some things for your company that can really move your product along forward. I think networking is really important. Being open to different relationships and different people is really important. So talk about the importance of like balancing network and still working to come here. I think too many founders like spend too much time networking, spend too much time like building the product. How do you personally like do that balance of doing both 
at the level you need to do based on what you're going on. <laughs> it depends on it depends on how hungry you are. Yeah. That's that's a damn good point. I'm just kidding. If you're I'm hungry, kidding. go find a networking event. <laughs> at least gonna have some fucking slices of pizza and beer for you. Yeah, I'm just joking. No, I think um, I mean if if you can rationalize being able to spend the time. If you can justify it in your own way, that might be good enough. If you've got things that need your attention, don't go. Yeah. Don't go. Um, if you're running a business, you're making money, and you're, you know, you have things that you need to be doing, don't go to the networking event. And one thing I don't realize the point of the networking event is not meeting your co-founder, meeting people, right? It's the ability to, like, to build talent for your company, right? Because in my mind, I have a list of people I met at networking events. Like, okay. I want to hire that person. Yeah. You know, so I think it's good for like recruiting people too, right? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I've met, I've met uh, somebody who's um, building some really cool stuff for, for us at a networking event. And in a way that I didn't expect to happen, it was a NFT event and this person's now working on a unity app for us. So um, it, it's, it's awesome to also, I think another thing that maybe is important to mention, exposing your idea to other people, getting their reactions, um, gives you some sort of feedback to perfect what you're working on yeah. and to, to move in a direction maybe that you weren't even thinking of, or to move away from a direction that you wanted to go in, but realize maybe that's not the path. Yeah. Almost like whenever you meet someone, you got to push a button and like give this build over again, like you know like blah 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 you yeah. know like like damn i said this a thousand times i'm tired of saying this well you gotta say it a thousand more times right yeah unfortunately right but you don't say it the same way oh no you don't yeah every single interaction well, well, hopefully you don't your pitch. hopefully you don't right yeah i mean hopefully you get to a point where when you say it people get it and yeah. you perfect you, you it. see the light, light bulb in the head break oh so you're doing that right yeah but sometimes they're like looking like you, what the fuck are you even doing? Like, <laughs> you, you're gonna sell what? Like, that's like, can you imagine back in the day when like Airbnb went to someone and say, Yeah, I want you to sell your uh, space in your home because Brandon Strange was like, Uh, no. No. No, no, we're not doing that. But now it's like, you know, pretty much, you know, everyone does. Yeah, and, like and that. whole business models are built around that. Yeah. People's livelihoods are built around People renting out money on Airbnb. And if Airbnb fails, suddenly a lot of people are going to be. Oh, yeah, a lot of people. Lot of I, I now have a cousin, like, she's retired in her 70s, and she has like three Airbnbs in her house, right? Mm -hmm. Like, different. And that should be how she makes a living, right? Yep. That, there's a dry option. I don't know what she would do. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. That's what I think about it. living now. There's so much ways to make money now, right? Yeah. I mean, if it comes, it comes, push comes to shove, you just go work for DoorDash. Right. Right. I mean, Uber. There's so much ways to make money nowadays, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah. So there's always ways to make money. Well, that's the other thing is like AI is coming around. We got these, these, uh, um, now you don't even need to hire a graphic artist mm -hmm. or, um, even a, a, a blueprint designer. Like a lot of these AI, uh, uh programs can prototype for yeah. you now, like create blueprints for working prototypes. I've seen people use mid journey specifically for that. Uh, it, and then to the point where you hand them off to an engineer and they, they can create a patentable, uh, blueprint in, you know, a, a tiny fraction of the time it would take. Um, so, so yeah, you have this concept that AI is going to take some jobs, mm -hmm. maybe create some new ones, but maybe take more than it creates. What's, what's your take on UBI? Yeah, U that's exactly U where I was going Universal with Universal basic income. What's your that, take on that? That's exactly where I was going with this. I think, um, yeah, th this is a tough question. Uh, people love the idea of free money. <laughs> I think, uh, that's a universal truth, right? Talking yeah. about universal. Well, of course, nothing's ever free. Someone's always pays a price. 
Yeah. So yeah, if we get farmed out for our data or farmed out for our eyeballs or whatever, maybe that's we. What was it the other time? If it's free, you're the product or something like that. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Right. If it's free, you're the product. Yeah. Right? So you can't get mad at around your data when you use all the stuff for free. Yeah. Yeah, and it might. <laughs> That, that's the thing. We were talking about sex robots and free will. I, these are all connected with universal basic income. And are we the product? Are we going to be a uh, experience farm? Yeah. You know, where uh, we, we just are um, our, our own interaction with tech and interaction with ideas and um, art is then the product. Yeah. Well, you see all the time on, like, on Facebook, some are posts. I, I, I can't believe Facebook's still in my data doing this and this. It's not fair. Where's privacy? And the next day. I'm having dinner in Chick-fil-A with my family, blah, blah, blah. We're going to hear like, you just don't get it, right? <laughs> you don't see how these two things connected, right? You're actually providing to even make it easier for them to get the data for you, right? Right. And then you're wondering how they are sending you Chick-fil-A ads. Or yeah. Whatever, like, right? I just had Chick-fil-A. Why am I eating this again? I was talking about this on my phone and now the ads are here. Yeah. Or even worse, uh, you're, you're like your, 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 your parents' house and they love like a certain type of toothpaste that you don't use. And also you're flooded with the toothpaste ads, right? Yep. Yep. The, the crazy thing is, like, at a certain point, the AI's, AI models are going to be able to know who you are almost better than you in certain yeah. ways, you know, where um, I think it was somebody was uh, talking about how about 15 years ago, Google was able to identify when a woman was pregnant and send her ads for strollers and diapers and stuff before she even knew. So imagine this happening, right? This is like, this is a totally fucked up thought, right? Suppose like Google knew, knew like a lady was pregnant, but not by her husband. And they sent a message to her husband. Did you know your wife's pregnant? Yep. And like, uh, but it's not by you or some crazy shit like that? Yeah. Oh, fuck, that's scary. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Uh, oh, the, no, the divorce, the divorce lawyer sends it to the husband. Do you know your wife's husband? I mean, you know your wife's pregnant? You, are you looking for a divorce? Call me up, right? Right, right. Are you looking for a divorce? And he, he uh, thinks everything's fine. But um, no, I mean, this is uh, this brings up some some uh, really, really interesting and kind of uh, scary ideas in a way. So back to UBI. I'm probably going to slam with this, but my mind, do we already have UBI? Like we have welfare in the United States, right? Welfare of the world. Is it welfare sort of UBI? Well, look, uh, we had some experiments with UBI in the United States. People don't think about it this way but the covid payouts were that's an experiment yeah. with ubi yeah. that's yeah. let's call it what it is um and yeah there's there's uh, some complex economic math that goes into it that you know are we gonna ha have inflation from this mm -hmm. are people gonna lose their motivation to work like yeah. how are we gonna motivate people to do anything what's the effect on mental health yeah. um uh, are people gonna be like you know is there going to be an uptick in suicides, for yeah. example, or scary things like that? The people um, need to be around people, right? Yeah, and people need to feel fulfilled. People yeah. need to feel like they're. It can be fulfilled if you're getting paid $2,000 a month just to fucking watch Rick and Morty cartoons all day long. I'm wrong. I love Rick and Morty, but I don't know how I can watch them all day long every day for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, like, you know, it's certainly an action. Like, so, the Myers Briggs, I'm INFJ, right? It's like, suppose there's like one or 3% of us, right? So I'm, I'm an introvert, introvert, right? Even me during COVID, like, fuck, I got to talk to somebody some my wife. Like, I got to see someone else, right? This is fucking ridiculous, right? Yeah. So, so even me as an introvert, introvert, like, man, I got to fucking talk to someone besides my wife and kids. Like, yeah. So, so social interaction is a big thing, which I think be a, a negative for UBI, right? Mm-hmm. And then do you, do you use some of the UBI, like, you know, like, make paintings and make poetry, all that kind of stuff, right? Like, it's, I don't know. 
Yeah. That, again, I mean, um, if if you can have an AI that is programmed to fit you like a glove for to make you convinced that it's your best friend, your yeah. lover, your um, partner in crime, yeah. your you know uh, equal, your peer, yeah. that you can have fulfilling interactions with a, a machine yeah. in a way that satisfies you. Even if you know it's not real, like on the, the matrix, that guy like went to the other side. He like, I know this takes fake. I know it's not real, but man, I'm enjoying this, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So is it, it, it might be real to you, know, it was fake, you know? Yeah. At that point, like, um, if we can create a technology that, that really understands the core of a person and is able to make us suspend our disbelief mm-hmm. that that's a machine yeah then it's it, it, see going back into the whole concept of free will and the concept of um human interaction what do we need is it necessarily a bad thing i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure and then how do laws keep up like suppose you're like you know there's actually driver's cars in the future right and you're in the backseat of the car because you're fucking drunk as shit and you get pulled over just because it's, it's, like, it's like a traffic checkpoint, right? You pull over in the back seat. The car's driving like 50 miles an hour. Nothing to say, but you're drunk as shit. Like, you're not driving, but you're in the car, right? Are you controlling the car? Is it is the Tesla? Is like, like, how do they work those kind of things, right? And then, like, there's a big thing about maybe, like, making all, like, truck drivers, like, like drivers, right? It's, it's probably a good thing, right? But, like, do you really need, I, I think there's 250,000 truck drivers in the United States, right? Let's suppose money, 250,000 truck drivers, and I don't have a job, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the impact, the repercussion economy is like fucking mind blowing, right? Yeah. All the people depend on them. It's like. And you can't buy those people for $2,000 a month. No. Uh, to truck driving, they, they can make a lot more money than that. Oh, yeah, definitely, right? So, how do you. I think a lot of things. I just think a lot of things people are not thinking through, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> there, there's a lot of experimentation going on, and some of the European countries are ahead. Uh, in kind of this universal basic income stuff, like Switzerland and Finland, yeah. they're experimenting a yeah. lot with UBI. Um, and then what do you do to get kicked off UBI? Like, oh, you're going to give UBI. Social credit score, man. You yeah. say something about Hunter yeah. Biden that the government doesn't like, boom. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cut a damn off. Point. Yeah, like you're doing UBI, but you're not doing this. We're going to cut you down. It's like, and then like to me, it's just, I'm sure people don't think it's welfare. It's basically welfare, right? The government's paying you to do something. It, it, I don't know. It's like, Good times, bad times, you know, like scary thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you ever watch that cartoon Wally? You remember that? I remember the Wally, the yeah. robot. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, I don't, I don't know if you remember seeing it, but uh, their their vision of the future is humans on spaceships where everybody's fat and just stuck in their phones. Yeah. They're like floating around on these uh, levitating wheelchairs. They're super obese and just stuck in their phones all the time. Um, is that like prophetic? You know, is that like a, a, a vision of what the future could actually bring us with this UBI track? Um, and then we start looking back at this metaverse stuff and this matrix concept of plugging into a virtual world mm-hmm. where there is challenge and uncertainty. And, um, we, we go back to the stone ages to, to do all this stuff or, or a, a world where we're in the, the Roman era. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you want to eat, you better hunt down some, you better hunt exactly, some now. Exactly. 
where and and who knows maybe maybe there's this infinite loop of um of really fast technological development downloading yourself into a simulation and starting from the ground up until we get to this point again mm -hmm. where um we're, we're back in another simulation starting over and there's this kind of like russian nesting doll effect of <laughs> <laughs> and rick and morty's uh you, you bring them up all the time yeah. they, they did this episode where there's a simulation within a simulation within a yeah. simulation um is that so far from the truth i don't know i mean it would be super interesting if we had a a, a virtual world where we could literally choose our experience. Um, you know, imagine like a, um, instead of Amazon prime where you're selecting videos or different movies, it's like a metaverse prime yeah. where you have the Roman era and, and you know, uh, the Jetsons yeah. and uh, I want to be a soldier on rumors times. I want to, I want to be Cleopatra's, you know, manservant or right. I want to, you know, I want to be, you know, no gold rush. Yeah. Or maybe there's an AI that just automatically detects what you want and forms a metaverse experience around that that's so realistic that, you know, itches that scratch for you. Talking about like something like the holodeck in the Star Trek Enterprise. Right, right. So one thing I'm a big believer, if you can imagine it can be done right. Yep. I'm a big believer in that, right? To an extent, maybe. I remember one, I went to one pitch competition. This guy, his he wanted to build an escalator to the moon. Oh, yeah. 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 So the lane. Yeah, yeah, escalator moon. Like, man, I don't know about that one. That's gonna be hard to imagine, right? But I, I, generally, I think if you can imagine, it can be built, right? Yeah, okay, everything that's been done in the past, someone imagined it, right? You know, Liftport, kind of Liftport's uh, ideas are actually pretty, pretty advanced mm -hmm. at this point. Um, they've got some really interesting, not only schematics and blueprints and stuff, but like a whole video about how it can be done. It's super cool. Yeah, um, you should have him on here. Have you have you talked to him here? Before? No, I haven't. I, I haven't met him. He has a, a podcast too that that he that he runs. I know him pretty well. I'm happy okay. to introduce. Yeah, yeah. What's his name again? Michael Lane. Okay, I need to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's amazing like stuff people are doing. So this is this a, a startup called Avalanche Energy out of Kent or Renton. Okay. And so they want to do it's like one of those things like it's like, man, you, you pull this off, we're uh, like the energy crisis solved, but if you pull it off, we might be fucked, right? <laughs> they basically want to give everyone like a Tony Stark nuclear pack. Cool. So you have all right here all your own energy, like a little pack. So all the energy be just in your hand, right? Was like shit. I don't I know like, if I, I don't know if I trust the majority of people with fucking nuclear energy in their fucking hands. Yeah, though. I feel like you need to have some sort of like Elysium system. Yeah. You remember that movie Elysium? Yeah. Yeah, yeah where you've got like a, a small percentage of society that's super wealthy and connected to everything and has all the rights. Mm -hmm. And then you have the rest of society that's just like yeah. living in hovel, poverty, whatever. Um I don't know. I mean that's another question that I wanted to bring up with you, right? So um, we, we're looking at different types of futures and I imagine a future where instead of trying to protect data mm -hmm. and, you know, keep customer data safe, you've got all these hacks, you've got all these, uh, different types of data breaches and vulnerabilities and stuff. Imagine a future where everything is open source, where me and you sitting across from each other, you can look at me and know exactly what's in my bank account all the last text messages I've sent with all the last pictures in my phone, uh, basically where, where you have um, equal and unfettered access to everyone else's life around yeah. you. Well, so um, 
Yeah. On the one hand, you have a lot less costs yeah. for security um, and a lot of transparency, which makes it a lot easier to, to do business, to find friendships and partnerships. How, however, comma. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was an episode. This is a show called You're Me and You, right? I'm sure it's next video. It's like features and stuff. Okay. And one of the things like, you know, in the future, we were to read people's minds, right? Mm-hmm. We had we had opt-in, right? So there's one family. Everyone can read mindset for the father, right? I don't want to do that shit, right? But then he found like opt-in because people have constant involvement, right? And it was like, but there's no filter, right? So someone walked in the room and you said, that's the ugliest person in my life. That person <laughs> automatically know you thought that, right? Yeah. So like, how do you protect that filter, right? Because like, people don't admit this, but we all think things that you would never say out loud, right? Yep. Like, most people are not. You're not thinking like, Oh my goodness, I gotta listen to this bullshit again. Or like, yeah. oh my God, like my wife's gonna say this, you know. Like, yeah. can you see this person right? And it's, it's, it's mean spirited, but you don't sit because that it's part of your brain, like, you know, like that, not the ego, what it's called, like, like real negative, right? Right. And, you, and you're like, thank God they said it out loud. Yeah. Or even the case where, like, oh shit, did I say it out loud? Yes, you said it out loud. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. So here's a question for you. So you're a founder of your time limited, right? Mm. I'll use an example, right? You came to the podcast, you're using me two, three hours. So do you live in Seattle or do you, you live in Tacoma, right? Yeah. So you got to get here. So how do you determine like what is worth your time to do versus what's not worth your time? Kind of just intuition. Okay. Um, I am curious because there's a lot of things that have happened in my life where you can't predict what happens when you attend something or when you meet with someone or when you do a podcast or a TEDx, for example, right? And it uh, kind of like dominoes into something bigger that you can't predict. So I don't know who's watching. I don't yeah. know. What- yeah, I can tell you how many times people can be, hey, Jason, we did a podcast two years ago, but someone saw my YouTube video and they bought something from me, right? Yeah. I mean, it's never. And there were podcasts too, they're hitting miss, right? Like some are good, some are bad. I was on one podcast, it was 30 minute podcast. And the guy, I talked for one minute. The guy I talked the whole time, like, dude, why am I even here, right? So it's definitely hit and miss, right? But yeah. thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's it's like build new relationships and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if you feel like it's something that, that could be interesting, yeah. um, I, I'm not just doing this for business or making mm-hmm. money or yeah. something like that. I like in, having conversations. Yeah. I like talking about philosophy yeah. and AI and technology and simulation. That's fun for me. So part of it's also, you know, the ability for me to dump uh, stuff off of my chest. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So have you done any like incubators, accelerators? Yeah, I was in WTIA. I'm still in WTIA. So you're you're in the number nine one? Yes. Okay, I was in number eight. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. So that's why you're in the Slack. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Nice. And um, uh, Startup 253 in Tacoma. Okay. And a accelerator called CPG, which is remote. Uh, They're crypto focused. So is there such a thing as being in too many accelerators? That's a good question. I mean, it depends on what your goal is from the accelerator. Just so like a lot of us do the same thing. Like they do the basic stuff, get you ready. And then like, do they really help you get sales, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think for me, it wasn't as much about the uh, information from the accelerators, even though a lot of it was really valuable. Um, but more about the networking yeah. and, um, you know, WTIA, they expose you to some of the, to the biggest investors in this area yeah. um, and, and put you on calls with these guys where yeah. you can ask questions and get face to face even with in-person meetings. And just the fact they connect with Dave Parker, like, yeah. I think that alone, Dave Parker alone is like the worth of 
whatever it is you got to, you know, the cost, you know. Yeah, he's awesome. I love Dave Parker. He's smart. He's funny. He's like witty and yeah. uh, genuinely really helpful, cares about business, knows how to make the business work. Uh, so that, that's that been great. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, also pitching mm -hmm. with the accelerators, you pitch at yeah. the end. Uh, or at various points in the journey. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, I, personally, I believe pitching every opportunity to pitch oh, yeah. in front of an audience, especially in front of investors or yeah. anybody who's like, you know, more than just your average Joe yeah. is valuable. No matter what, you'll take something valuable from that experience. I believe too. So the pitch conference I'm doing, I'm, I'm kind of doing it different. So what I want to do, and this might be kind of weird. So like, a lot of pitch companies like like finals live. Yeah, it's nine nine seconds, right? Yep. With mine, it's gonna be like minimum three max of fire, right? Mm -hmm. And you can do whatever you want to, right? You can have drone, you can fly around on drone, do a product demo. Cool. And so I have like the judge is gonna be Byron Robinson. He's like sponsoring it. He's like part equity banker. Karina is gonna be a judge. I like Karina. Yeah, she's cool. Big fan of her. And then a friend of mine, Christina Brennan, she's like a communication coach. She used to be the pitch coach for uh, finals live, right? Oh, interesting. But now she's like full-time comic in the Denver area, right? Oh, But nice. she's actually going to be here in July to, to do the judging, right? Cool. She's a real person we're judging. And the thing about doing, like, picking, like, just a random person, right? Uh-huh. Like, go on the list of people, like, always be, like, quick as a random person. Has no dollars that stops, nothing, yeah. right? That's the actual consumer, right? Uh-huh. And, and have them have a part of it, too, right? Yeah. Because so many times you pitch, like, VCs, and they say the same thing, right? You need traction. You need this. This is too early. Yeah, right? this is too early. It's too early, right? I want, like, actual consumer, right? Like, so hopefully it goes off well. Yeah. Do you need somebody else to pitch? No, actually, no one's applied yet. Oh, really? Do you? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm happy to do it if you want. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. So I was, talking, I was joking with Karina yesterday. Either we're going to have like 100 people attending, 50 people apply pitch, or we're going to have like a, a fucking total disaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about these events I've done in the past. Like, you know, you might have like 50 people RSVP, only 10 show up. Mm. Only 10 RSVP, I think we can show up. Like, you never really know, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's hit and miss. It's hit and miss. And it, that, that one's going to be in Tacoma, though, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, 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 the place in the water that Karina works at. I want to see... You talked to those Ziva guys, um, the um, vertical takeoff and landing drone people. Mm -mm. That's a cool company. Okay. Based in Tacoma. Okay. Uh, I'd really like to see their pitch. I wonder okay. if, if you can get yeah. that one. Yeah, that's why I want an all-star, regardless of face, small business. I just want to let you know. And of course, the goal is like the first four people would pick, like maybe some of you don't know that good, right? Yeah. To make it fair, but I don't know. I think Michael Lane would also, from Liftport, the okay. moon elevator guy would also be down. Nice. Yeah. Just want to make it, make it a good event, right? Yeah. Of course, you know, I'll get value. I get, you know, I get people's emails, addresses, you know, so it comes HR, you know, so those are something to be said about it. So moving on, to me, some exciting really recently happened, right? But they discovered through something called Gravitation Waves mm -hmm. that does actually, the universe has background music. Mm. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, you know, part of me can't help but think that you're just trying to interpret something out of numbers. Yeah. That maybe you have to stretch your imagination mm -hmm. a little bit. Some of the people in the scientific community are really good at like packaging yeah. the so get findings. So they get future funding. Yeah, exactly. And to drive a hype cycle, sell their books mm -hmm. also, you know, that's a big one. Um, I'm not saying that that's the case, yeah. but uh, this, this sounds like one where, okay, you have a random pattern and if yeah. you, you know, put, apply a certain equation on it, yeah. you can have it sound like Tupac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> It's so exciting, nevertheless, right? It gives us something to talk about. That, of course, sure. some people don't give a fuck about it. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, some people are like, shit, 
I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I don't, who cares right. about the music having a, the right. universe having a sympathy, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, having sympathy, that's a, that's a big question. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's uh, actually, you know, there's um, elevator music that's playing in the server room where the simulation is being processed. Exactly, right? <laughs> Everybody's trying to discover how it works, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, um, there's so much stuff going on in the universe, right? Like, we don't know, right? Like, yeah. Well, I think Donald Rumsfeld, the Secretary of Defense back then, say, we don't know the unknown knowns, unknown unknowns. Yep. We don't know, we don't know, right? It's true, right? You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes you know what you don't know, yeah. which is, <laughs> it's pretty mysterious in and of itself. But I'm the kind of person where it's like, if I'm not there, mm-hmm. I'm not going to believe it yeah. without a, a healthy dose of skepticism. Well, I think this type of knowledge, I can't remember this card, it's a knowledge where like, it's a knowledge where like, you know if two people were there, right? Yeah. Like, for example, infer knowledge, right? So like, like China, I know China exists because people know it exists, right? Yep. But have I actually been in China? No. Same. Like, is China exists? Probably so, but do I really know it exists, right? Yeah. I mean, with certain things, you have some, uh, like even Netflix has dramas from China that has Chinese dress and the Chinese language where you can watch it and you can be like, okay, this this looks real. Mm-hmm. doesn't look completely made up. These people are speaking completely foreign language. Yeah. They seem to be understanding each other. They're dressed in ways that I've never seen before, maybe, you know. But um, then when, when you talk about space, especially, yeah. right, uh, a lot of the the... Um, the news cycle is driven by equations from complex machines that are gathering information in ways that are really difficult for the average person to understand. And then you have scientists who work with PR companies that are experts at packaging it up into sexy news bites. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, what and is it? Exactly? How about to have the sexy blonde or frog dress delivering it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Remember this happened a while ago with like the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, this like out of the blue. UFOs might exist. Like, wait, what? What did you just say? We re- 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 repeat that. UFOs might exist. Elaborate a little bit more, Pentagon. Right? Yes, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Again, I can't help but think that some of those things are like you say. UFOs might exist. It's one of those non-committal things mm-hmm. where you don't you don't have to go into greater depth, mm-hmm. right? You can just like. Why do you think that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's classified. Right? Yeah. This conversation's over. Sorry. Um, but, you know, uh, at the same time, you've got wag the dog type stuff mm-hmm. going on where you're trying to distract from certain things. And maybe, you know, you're trying to work something else uh, that, that you need more privacy over. So I can't help but be spect- yeah, skeptical whenever we have big news like that, allegedly, you know. What's your take on genetic splicing? <sighs> well, um, it seems like there's already um, some benefit to it. It seems like if you're rich enough, you can make sure that your baby doesn't have certain genetic diseases already. You hear about the case in China where that one Chinese thing um, did it where the girl would never get AIDS or something? Yeah, there's some... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how true any of this is. I heard about something from China where a woman got lots of plastic surgery and ended up marrying a, uh, a wealthy person. I remember, yeah, I know that, yeah. And then... The baby was ugly. Their babies ended up being really ugly and he sued her yeah. and ended up winning somehow. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, how do you sue somebody it is China. for that? Right, right. So... I mean, she didn't marry him across pretenses, you know, I guess, you know. If you've got enough money anywhere, you can make things happen, I guess. Yeah. Um, is it... <laughs> Look, 
people are changing their hair color. People put in contacts to change their eyes. People wear clothes to change their appearance or add tattoos, yeah. right? We, there, there's a lot of reasons why we're not happy with the roll yeah. of the dice that nature gave us or whatever. And, uh, you know, you have also this kind of transgender movement where people aren't happy with their gender identity or, or whatever. And and I think it's, it's human nature to try to change ourselves in a way that kind of fits who we think we are. Um, and genetic tools are kind of, uh, going to be a, an important way to do that. Yeah. Cause even the, the COVID vaccines, right. They, they were also genetic tools that were, uh, created in, in labs where, um, they're, they're MRNA vaccines. So they, they pump proteins in yeah. your body that actually produce cells, produce certain proteins in your body that are supposed to fight the, the virus. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of pushback that these are experimental yeah. and, you know, how did we get these through? There was emergency uh, authorization. Why didn't we just use traditional vaccines? Yeah. Th that's legitimate for sure. But at and the same course, time, the thing is like, if you do a vaccine in six months, how can we can do this all the time? Yeah. 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 And I mean, maybe that's, maybe there's also a lot of really important data that was gathered about how these vaccines, uh, these tools actually, biological tools interact with our bodies yeah. so that we can release new products into mm -hmm. the market where, you know, maybe if you get a shot, it'll change your eye color permanently yeah. or, or something crazy like that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a biologist, but maybe, maybe that's now within the realm of possibility after kind of getting this early real life feedback on, how users actually react to this kind and of stuff. And like, let's suppose, like, I'll take an example. Like, I'm an introvert, right? But, like, man, being an introvert has been a struggle for my life. I don't want my kids to be introvert, right? So, I want my, when I have a kid, I want the genetic splicing to decrease introversion and increase extroversion. But maybe, like, that's actual skill my kid needed, right? Or maybe, like, I'm 5'10, I want my kid to be 6'2. Like, how do you make those decisions for future generations, like, as far as genetic splicing? I think it's a tough wheel, right? Well, have you seen the movie Gattaca? You I wonder that I, movie. I want to say I have. Sounds familiar. Gattaca is uh, exploring that topic where um, the protagonist is a like. Um, how do you describe it? Like a non-genetically manipulated human, whereas everybody else around this person is genetically designed, right? So every single other human being that works with this person went through is a designer baby, basically, where the, the genetics are handpicked, uh, their intelligence is selected, their all their traits are selected before they're born. And yet there's still some random element that gives people who haven't gone through this, this X factor that can yeah. be really good. Um, yeah, it seems like something that's going to be available to rich people. And it seems like something that's going to keep rich people rich. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one for you. Can you imagine how different the world would be if Julius Caesar could read minds? Like Julius Caesar could read minds, he read and could okay, all these people are going to try to kill me on March 15th, right? And he survived how different the world would be. Or, yeah. or, or anybody, how different the world would be if anyone survived. Like maybe like the, um, the library in Alexander was not destroyed, right? Or right. maybe this happened or this happened, right? And this you realize how my how like random the world is, right? Yeah. You're like five minutes later meeting, you meet someone else who does something for you, and then yeah. you meet your future wife or like that that movie uh Butterfly Effect. Yeah, Butterfly Effect and the um that movie with um Brad Pitt where he's like started old Benjamin Buttons. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he met his his wife because something happened, you know. 
Yeah. Life is so just so fucking random. People don't realize it. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we can we can speculate um, about all that. It's so hard to know. Like, what, maybe the Julius Caesar path ended in world destruction, where we had to start over somehow. Yeah. Or maybe maybe we'd be. You know, there's a Family Guy episode where um, Stewie and Brian went back in time. And yet it looked so futuristic because it was a world without religion, for yeah. example, right? Yeah. So uh, it's it's hard to know. Like, would yeah. it actually have turned out that way? Who I knows? mean, Julius Caesar, they killed him because he's, he's, he's going to be a dictator. Maybe he was going to become a dictator and fucking kill a lot of people. Like, it didn't matter anyway. Yeah. Rome was ruled by dictators for 500 years after yeah. that. Yeah. You still ain't, had... Ain't that, ain't that fucking crazy? You, you kill a dictator and you fucking ensure a dictatorship takes over. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. And I hope we don't have to walk that same path. Because, I mean, wasn't Rome a republic for about so, 200, 300 years? I took years a Roman history class in college, and we did a study, and we could and somehow we figured out, like, I'm going to make it up right. The, we're on the same track of Roman history. I think we, like, I took that class in, like, 1994, and we figured out, like, in the year 2237 that we become a dictator. We're going to have our own Julius Caesar coming yeah. up pretty soon here? Yeah, like, all the things, like, point to, right, like... Like you know, like you know, welfare systems, you know, the 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 caste systems, all that kind of stuff, right? Like lined up perfectly, right? There's, War power. There's definitely. I mean, we're pretty much a new power, you know. Like back when Rome took over, all the countries that existed, they came out of nowhere, just like we did, you know. A lot of similarities. Now, was there somebody who did a study of like how many executive orders we have now compared to like 50 years ago? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the amount of executive orders that we're issuing has increased a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you're able to go around the, the legislature like that, that's kind of. It's basically it's like a monocardic decree, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So it, it seems like, I mean, the thing is, dictatorships have certain benefits sometimes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's more efficient. You can get decision making done a, good a lot one. faster. Like, imagine, it, I mean, if you imagine like one, one dictator is like, we'll say someone like Solomon, right? Yeah. Like, all known, all knowledgeable. But the next one's fucking Adolf Hitler. Like, oh, right. shit, you know, like, or like, what's that guy, Caligula? Yeah. You know, Roman, it's like, Roman his, like, they were like, yeah, three great empires and then three horrible empires. It's like that rotation they went through all the time, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, um, deep in the past, like even you were mentioning the battle of, uh, with with Constantine, Emperor mm -hmm. Constantine. History is written written by the victor, so oh, yeah, he could have really yet. said whatever he wanted to. The battle could have been totally lopsided from the beginning, yeah. and, and then after afterwards, you don't have anybody to you know argue. And then like you. like his story of like the Jesus in the sky. You know, all his men, you know, validated it. So of if, course. You're, if you're a random former soldier, are you going to say, no, he's fucking lying. Yeah, no, fuck, you're not. Get the fuck out of here. No way. <laughs> they will slaughter your whole family in front of you and then kill you afterwards, right? Yeah. No, they will kill you. They will, like, crucify you, let you die in the midnight sun or whatever, you know. Right. Like, you know, there's fates worse than death sometimes oh, because yeah. uh, you, you don't have to kill somebody. You can just, like, make them a laughing stock or a yeah. complete moron to society where nobody trust them, believes no, them anymore. You can't make no money and before you know you're homeless. Yeah, and yeah. that's... Yeah. Yeah, you, I can imagine. Hey, um, Jason, you're, you're, you're a Roman soldier working for cancer time. We don't believe this God in this guy. Oh, my God, that, that's so true. I've seen it my own eyes. You know, do you really see your own eyes? Oh, yes, of course I did. But, you know. Yeah. But what a great story, right? Yeah, for sure. For I mean, sure. what a great story, like, to tell, to tell people, like, Jesus spoke to me, like, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, of course, a hundred years before that, um, if I don't 
if I remember correctly, that battle happened sometime around the uh, 400s. Like the, yeah. but, but then 100 years before that, you have the Council of Nicaea, yeah. which uh, I think it was like 323 Some, or 319. 325, yeah. Uh, where, where you have all the bishops in the mm-hmm. area come together and decide which books are uh, approved to be in the Bible. Of course, there's influence on that probably too, right? Like, yeah. Like these, these bishops, are you really talking to Jesus? Is Jesus, is God really telling you what to do, right? Yeah. Or it's like this fucking other random dude, like put money in your pocket, right? Yeah, exactly. And now, a thousand years later, we follow this council, the Episcopal Roman Catholic, so to speak. The, the we have the, in the Roman Catholic, we have the, the catechism of the church, all yeah. the different rules, which, yep. of course, none of us in the Bible, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course, right. And uh, so it's kind of like this approval process mm-hmm. where you test the waters for, for 200 years and then suddenly this thing's got mass adoption and you got to figure out what to do with it. So you get this council of people who say, uh, if we if we go with these books, we should be all right, yeah. you know. And um, I know we should really stay, approve these 10 books, but the Roman Emperor has, has like basically said, if you approve these three books, it's going to hell on us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got certain ex- interactions in there, like I mentioned earlier, given to Caesar what's Caesar's. Yeah. We got to make sure these people are paying their taxes on time. Oh, yeah. We got to make sure that we teach them as part of their religion to do that. Right. And so um, you have this Jesus figure who's, um, uh, you know, the, the savior of humanity and yet who also i can't help but say it but you know spews some government propaganda now and yeah. again where he's yeah. like make sure you pay your taxes folks yeah and um, think that this jesus story is like people realize this there's so many jesus stories right even before jesus came there's like different stories of virgin birth like all these societies of virgin birth stories all this kind of stuff you know like and then suppose like there's like all these prophets back in the day right and jesus just was the one that came to came forth you know and like no the question back you know like does god is this does it exist like if you're god why are you gonna send your son which is, is like according to christ is actually part of you right mm. to die for our sins when you just fucking like okay everyone gets in heaven right yeah i mean look we we can go and criticize different parts of christianity till the cows come home it's there's there's a lot of but fodder with, for that yes. there's a lot of areas same with where Buddhism, like, right islamic there's always like you know like, like the question of why sacrifices in the first place mm-hmm. like why do you need to butcher an animal or yeah. a human being to like your god doesn't belong to you anyway for sins it's it's like oh and, and not to mention that all of the the tribes nearby are doing the same thing you yeah. know, all over the world. You've got Egyptians and Celts and yeah. Hindus uh, who are slaughtering animals and, and, to appease. And, and talk their, about being lucky, like gods. You're Jewish. You're the chosen people. Like talk about being fucking lucky, right? Yeah, right, right. Well, to an extent, of course, they fucking you know the fuck they went through too. You know, so maybe they're not so lucky, right? Yeah, <laughs> luck, I guess, is in the eye of the beholder because. Or is it just a great story told by some Jewish storyteller? That's definitely a part of it. It has to be a good story. It yeah. has to be a good story. But I, I mean, going back to your point on luck, how do you, the, the story of the Jewish nation is really interesting because you have a, it, there are very few examples in history when um, a, a nation state gets destroyed <coughs> and yet keeps their identity for <coughs> yeah. thousands of years and thousands then years. reconstitutes. I, I, I don't know if there's even a single <coughs> example of that really. I can be wrong, but I think if you took the Jewish people in the year 800 BC to now, that we would have so much in common, right? Yeah. 
Potent- I mean, that's hard to say. <laughs> but but the tours, the tours, you know, same stuff they do, you know. Right, right. But it, it's yeah. I mean, the, I mean, if nothing else, the Bob's a great story, right? Yeah. And another thing too, like you know, people say like once again, I'm, I'm Roman Catholic, I believe in God, but like stuff in the Bible, like you know, they'll say God ever changes, right? Okay, so the God knew an Old Testament like slaughtering and raping kids and children, but the New Testament forgive everyone for everyone for everything, right? Yep. So how is it the same, right? Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, we can, we can find, we can nitpick, we can, there's, there's uh, two different genealogies of Jesus in, I think it's the book of Matthew and the book of uh, Mark, mm-hmm. where there are different names in there yeah. and the length yeah. is different, yeah. right? And and so you're like, wait a second. And, and people try to rationalize it in different ways. Yeah. And of course there's like, you know, the, that one language, another language translation, another language translation, right. you know, what what gets lost, a lot of stuff probably. But that that's again, that's not the most important thing. How how does your own personal relationship uh, affect your life and yeah. your your real world earthly relationships? Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a lot to be said on the positive and the side. Day, too. Are you a good person, right? Yeah, not right. exactly, exactly. Of course, one one good person might be a bad person somewhere else, right? Like we were talking about earlier, if you punch somebody in the face out of nowhere, it's a bad thing. But yeah. if you're punching them to defend your daughter, yeah. suddenly it's a good thing, right? So the yeah. same action in a different context is good or bad. And then different groups have different values, right? Like I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure if you're like you're, you're a farmer in a farming community in Nebraska, your values are different from a mafia family in New York City, right? Right. Vastly different, I would think. And yet, maybe more similar in ways that we don't want to admit. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. So what what do you what are some pros and cons about being an entrepreneur? Pros: you meet interesting people. You meet um, you know people who have done amazing things with their lives, who have really cool careers. Uh, cons: mental health. You you go through days when you're like, what am I doing? And you look at your own uh, you know company and you're like, I can't keep doing this. I need to make more money. And you <laughs> you realize that with with your current CV, if you if you have a, a founder title and you're linked. In, you're never getting a job. Nobody's yeah. going to hire you. No. If you're a founder and you apply for a job, um, you need to hide that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've got it on your LinkedIn, it's like, I mean, people are going to look at that and they're going to say, why would we bring someone who's trying to start their own company? They're going to leave um, the, the second they get any traction or funding. Um, so it's like, you know, the mental health aspect of it and being uncertain about the future, especially when it comes to finances has been pretty tough for me, particularly. Um, yeah, I've been bootstrapping my company myself. We have some revenue, but trying to, (laughs) I have conviction that we're building the right thing, but then there's always that element of 95% of startups fail. And the chances are that I'm in that percentage. And so have I wasted all this time? Am I going to be able to go out and get a job that mm-hmm. I feel like is going to be worth what, what I can bring to the table? Um, those are things that, that plague me for sure. So I joke, I know how they say like, there's no such thing as failure, only, only like learnings. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm fucking tired of learning. I want to, <laughs> I want to succeed. I'm fucking tired of learning these lessons. I want to be successful, right? Yeah. So. What's what's one thing like like right now like something in the past like you like you had trouble with like it was a challenge but they're like how is that so hard for me that's just, that, that was so easy to do once I figured it out yeah 
Um, hmm, coding. Coding. Yeah. So it was one of those things that I always wanted to do. And I think you're, you're in the same, the same boat way, as, an, yeah. as an entrepreneur. You, you deal with a lot of technology. You have to. And your product also has a lot of technology built into it. Um, as, as an entrepreneur or as a founder, I guess, entrepreneur is more positive, is more like after you've already done it. Um, as a founder, you're, I'm, I'm building a tech product and I have to know what it does. I have to understand it on a very basic level. Because you don't want to be dependent on some random coder yeah. somewhere. It does have your company's right. interest in your heart. And this coder leaves, or even if they do have your interest at heart, if they're, the coder leaves and suddenly, you know, you're testing the product and you encounter a bug and you have to bring somebody else in, they take a month to just study all the code yeah. before they identify what's wrong. And, and you're like, oh, okay, wow, crazy. Um, but then being involved in the coding process and writing and deploying some of my own code yeah. has, it's, it's increased my self-confidence and it's increased my skill set and um, it's made me more sure of my own product and company. Yes, man. How do you find the time to do that, right? I have to. That's one that I remember a question where like, if you say you don't have the time, someone else is finding the time, something like that. Yeah. How many hours of sleep you get per day on average? I would say probably around six. Six, yeah. Six to seven. Man, I, I have a friend, of course, so like Elon Musk, famous, he works 100 hours a week. I have a friend, Kyoki Kurt, like one of my best friends of life, right? He was my first roommate in the army. This dude sleeps four hours a day. I think, man, I could get done this if I was awake 20 hours. It was crazy. Like, he could have, if he went to sleep at eight, he wakes up at midnight, right? His whole life, he'd be like drunk as shit. I mean, whatever case would be, four hours, right? I mean, what I could do with fucking 20 hours of work, but I, I need like seven, eight, seven, eight. I could survive for six. Of course, being in the military, I had to be sleep deprived, but man, like, it's definitely, of course, that's today's like, if you don't get enough sleep, it, like, it degrades you over time, oh, right? Yeah. It makes your like, life shorter, you know, but I mean, who knows, right? Right. Yeah. Of course, the thing is like, what are you doing with the time you're awake, right? Yeah, that's another big thing is like uh, with me <laughs> as a founder in the entertainment space, mm -hmm. um, sometimes you rationalize yourself consuming entertainment and mm -hmm. saying, oh, this is for work, you know, yeah. where, where I'm like consuming certain things in the entertainment space that actually it's it's fun, it's recreation. But I, I justify it to myself saying, oh, I'm, I'm researching, yeah. I'm doing market research, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, it always is and it's not false it's yeah. it's a true thing but but do you need to spend two hours doing it versus 10 minutes do i need to yeah or like you always like before you go i'll just look at one tiktok video next day oh shit it's two in the morning yeah i think some of it also goes back to the mental health where yeah. sometimes um sometimes you're fired up and you're like i'm gonna change the world i'm yeah. gonna build these things that people love i'm gonna make so much money i'm gonna be famous and rich and then other times you're like down in the dumps yeah. and you're you're doing these like instant gratification things out of habit or out of whatever base emotions and you're yeah. justifying it in your head like okay this is research for my company come yeah. on you know yeah so have you done any pivots with the Gio yet yeah yeah so um mentioned we started out with japanese co-founders uh we started out doing a, a manga it was just a passion project manga is a japanese comic book um, and then we, in 2021, the NFT craze kind of took off and we, we started looking at that really seriously. We started developing our own NFT project. Uh, and then we announced it in February, started like really seriously trying to build something in March. And by the time we were ready to launch in May, all of that stuff started to happen with uh, three arrows capital and, um, 
what was that other big one that failed um, in crypto? But anyway, in May, the NFT market started to tank. Um, and and you just had kind of a domino effect over the last year of really bad news out of crypto. Everybody remembers FTX. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, of course, you know, it, it continues into 2023 with some some stuff going on with Coinbase. And um, uh, we used to have a big crypto exchange here called Bittrex. They're no longer working. Uh, so crypto, unfortunately, there's a lot of hype that goes into it. it. There's a lot of hype cycles. You know, people um, get really exuberant about it. Crypto prices go up, investment interest goes up, markets uh, go crazy for crypto. And then there's what they call crypto winners when people like stop paying attention and there's less activity. So you really have to, I mean, me as a founder, I can't have my business depend on, first of all, the prices are super volatile. And second of all, the hype cycle is just really hard to predict. So one of our biggest pivots was creating this game and and incorporating the game into our business model. Um, It's nice now focusing on something that's got a physical component. Uh, One of the things that I that I kind of took from some of the accelerators that we've done is accepting money for services. For a long time, I was running my own consulting business. And in consulting, you know, there's this crazy sales cycle. Um, you have certain projects that have a time limit. You work with a client, you finish it out, they close out the deal and you've got to find a new client or, or try to continue the business a different way. Or, um, you know, you, you deliver this service like marketing, communications, et cetera. And you have things that you can show that you did, but what's the impact on the business? That's not as clear clear for a lot of people. And, and it's hard to measure in a lot of ways. Like, okay, so you, you did a hundred Facebook posts this month, but what did that, you know, yeah. how did that affect my bottom line? Yeah. And you can't really say, um, so that accepting payment for services is, is a challenging business, but accepting payment in exchange for a physical good is really clear. Mm-hmm. You sell this box, they give you money, the deal's done, you know? How do you figure out your pricing model for all the stuff you're doing? There's some market research involved and there's some um, basically calculations based on the cost. Yeah, that's uh, it. What so, are other people doing? How much is it costing me to do this? So how does someone win at your game? They defeat the other players. Okay. Um, what's what's your like... Um, are you going to have any more games coming on online later on or is it your, your one, one game? So, so what's interesting about this game is that we've got different maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to be releasing different maps over time. Our first map, actually I have it here. You can grab it if you yeah. want. And the game's going to be like based on like different time periods and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, so the, the maps are going to have different themes. This is the first production map that we're, that we're doing. It's called Kraken. Um, let me get this out. There we go. Yeah, so does the camera right here. This is the Kraken map. Whoa. <laughs> this is the Kraken map right here. Um, and yeah, the, the idea is you've got a giant octopus squid thing that you're fighting across. The next map that we're going to do is called Kaiju, um, named after Godzilla. We obviously okay. can't use that name for legal reasons. I mean, hopefully we'll be able to work with them at some point. But, yeah. Um, the idea is we're going to have different maps that come out with a similar setup where you can collect different types of maps and, and the gameplay experience will be different on each one. How long does the game last? 
Um, we've got it down to where it's about an hour, okay. but it depends on who's playing. Okay. If people are very cautious, it can take up to two hours or more. If people just want to fight, we've gotten games done in under 15 minutes. Who's like your perfect customer for this? Parents of kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, middle class, upper middle class, mm -hmm. maybe where, uh, you want to buy cool things for your kids mm -hmm. and cool experiences. So if the kids love it, then they'll continue to be customers when we release new maps and characters. And will people, regardless of culture or background or country, understand the game? Yes. Okay, so someone like Israel, someone like Saudi Arabia, someone like, you know, Kenya. If they've played a video game in the past, they'll be able to understand this. Okay. There's All like right. core concepts of health and energy where you want to keep your health above zero mm. um, and energy you spend to do different actions. Um, there is some complexity. So you have treasure chests, you collect weapons and items, and those all have different kind of abilities. And how many people are your team right now? So we've got um, three on the core team and then two other developers that are kind of contributing in different ways and another engineer who's contributing also in, in like a part-time role. How do you decide this? Like suppose, like how do you decide my next hot needs to be marketing. Number eight needs to be this. Number nine needs to be this. How do you how do you do a process like you know? I need to make these hires this time. Or do you, is it based on like number of employee? Do you based on revenue you have? Like how do you make those decisions? What's really nice is um, we can do. We did a lot of our stuff through like freelancer.com or Upwork or Fiverr, where if we need something done, we can hire somebody out uh, and. Once it's done, it's done. You don't have to keep a relationship uh, when you don't need that service. So that's been really important. Um, I think that the hiring needs are going to change once we have more revenue and once we have a better idea of like how much we're going to need to produce, how much we're going to want to sell. And um, then we're, we're going to need to be a lot more serious about bringing on people full time. So have you been able to validate people on Upwork and Fiverr can do what they can do? That's a good question. I think um, there's a certain art to it. Uh, there's when you read enough profiles, when you go through enough profiles and you kind of in a, in a certain way, you have to work backwards. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of almost know what the end product needs to look like before you order the service. Mm -hmm. So if you know you need a game box design and you have you post a project on freelancer.com, for example, I'm looking for someone to design a game box. You get 150 different bids and you're going through these different bids, looking at their portfolios. Um, I ask really specific questions like, have you done this exact type of project in the past? Like, have you designed game boards before? If, if yes, send me your portfolios of specific examples of when you've done this specific thing. So it's, it's really nice having uh, clear goals that are small and attainable. Um, if you're going to ask somebody on Fiverr or Upwork or any of these platforms to build you software, that's more complex. Yeah, that's very vague. Yeah. And um, if you haven't done that before, you can run into some really big costs yeah. and unpredictable stuff. I know one of my kids, a lot of tech people, is like a lot of tech people, they build stuff, build stuff, they never complete anything, right? So obviously, tech people, I'm interview from my own opening, like, show me something you've completed, right? What does that mean, complete, though? What do you mean by I mean, that's that? That's a good point. I mean, like, it has to be more like you just worked a product for a couple months, right? Like, that's just some kind of end product, you know. Of course, everything did. I mean, you could be a good point. Actually, everything like kids don't get improved, or whatever. But like, yeah, has to be something like 
proving me don't just go from project to project, right? Yeah. And yet, I mean, even if they do go from project to project, if the projects that they're working on are making money, if they're yeah. big projects, then mm -hmm. still that's valuable experience, I think. That's true. And it's not always the engineer that depends on how successful the project is. It's yeah. more the, the the vision behind yeah. it, where you can bring that technology together in a way that actually works. No, that's, that's, that's actually a good point. So what's a, when you interview people, what's a question you ask that is like kind of random that most people don't ask? Hmm. I like to ask questions from engineers. I like to ask questions that are kind of related to values, mm -hmm. like what's important for them in developing. And um, one of my values, for example, is uh, open sourcing technology and data privacy and uh, being able to like um, protect users in a way. So I want to make sure that the people I'm working with kind of have similar values. Okay. Well, because I ask, I ask people like, you know, What's something that you're proud of that's not in your resume or LinkedIn, right? Like most people don't know, right? That gives them a chance to like open up on the south stick, you know, to brag, so to speak, right? Get yeah. More comfortable. I think that's a that's a good question. I like to ask questions that are gonna define our working relationship, mm -hmm. you know? So if if somebody that that can often reveal something about somebody that makes it a good fit. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had that. Uh, in the past where yeah. you're interviewing somebody, they say something unexpected and you're like, I vibe with this. I, yeah. I vibe with this person. I like to ask questions that are more like, um, le less about personal and more about like their business approach. Yeah. Their like approach to working and getting stuff done. Yeah. Um, and, and if I vibe with their work philosophy and their philosophy of mm -hmm. tech, then it's, it might be a good fit. Yeah. Of course, like I'm from Texas. Someone says, I hate everyone from Texas. It's okay. You're not working for me in the dough truck. This is a bad example, probably. Um, so you're talking about your company, Summer. Can you go more detail about how the company I started, what you focus on now, what the future vision is for it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, like I said, I, um, I think I mentioned this earlier. We, I started writing a science fiction novel in college and um, generally just kept working on it, kept dabbling. And then in 2019, I met a, a Japanese person um, who invest in different companies. We had a good relationship and he invited me to come to Tokyo where I met some of the other members of my team. And, uh, we started working on a Japanese style comic book. Um, that was in 2019 and then COVID hit. Um, and then the NFT craze kind of happened. We started trying to launch an NFT project. Uh, NFTs are complex there there might be some really good use cases in the future but then there's also this like hype driven speculation pricing all about profit um which that's not entirely what i'm trying to do i definitely want an nft collection that has utility and and really connects the holders to value um in the project but i want i want to have a company that um First of all, the the idea of launching a physical good is super interesting to me because, like I mentioned, there's this transaction where somebody pays you for a physical good, you receive that money, you can uh, put that on the books, and it's it's really clean from an accounting perspective and from like a ethical philosophical perspective. You get a good, I get payment. Um, down the road, we want to create an experience where there's this hybrid physical digital more than just your phone where it's like this um a digital aspect to playing a board game in real life mm -hmm. that augments the experience the idea is like we were talking about earlier kids are 
are obsessed with their phones mm. and it's like a drug in a lot of ways where you take it away and they have withdrawals but is it possible because there's a lot of good things about phones there's a lot of good things about technology tinder for example as much heat as it gets people meet the love of their lives yeah. on there and it's it's a lot more efficient you know you find somebody on tinder that you really connect with that has um you know uh, the the right values or the right humor or whatever and you don't need to go on any more dates. Yeah. You don't need to try to look for the right person anymore. Or uh, travel booking apps, right? Where before the internet, uh, traveling was a really <laughs> uncertain thing. You're going to this other country and you have a credit card maybe, you pay for a hotel and you know everything after that is up in the air. Yeah. Uh, but now you it, the, the experience is so much easier and better through our phones, through our technology. So is there a way to use technology to reconnect kids, to re-engage kids with real world experiences and maybe even deepen relationships with family and friends? Um, while the phone isn't like the obsessive part of it where it's like a facilitator of this experience. That's what I wanna create. And what's the future vision for it? Like, you want to be like the number one gaming company in America or like, what's that goal? Um, so what we want to do is create a fan community that's engaged and loyal. And number one, I mean, you can create metrics where you're number one at something. Oh, yeah. You can yeah. create that uh, idea. I don't know if we're going to be able to compete with like Activision Blizzard or, or um, uh, Ubisoft or something like that, where, you know, you have these AAA games that spend hundreds of millions or billions of dollars on, on their development. I don't know if that's what we want to do. What I, what I would prefer to see is a community of loyal fans that really understands the product and has a lot of fun playing it and then become collectors to augment our, um, our, our fan base and build a viable business. Uh, what I really want to do, what I really want to do is we have this, these plans for a comic book that uses a 3d city. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to create a 3d city that we can use as the backdrop for a comic book. So basically, um, you can have our illustrator choose a camera angle within this city, take a snapshot, and use that snapshot as the background for a comic book frame. So then you have this like seamless transition between reality and a comic book and a video game where you can actually visit the city where all of this takes place and even control a character there, for example. Um, and I mean, from that point, if we can get there, there's all sorts of really cool, fun things we can do. What's the risk of someone getting too involved in a game character? I think that there's always a risk of people getting too obsessed. Um, you mentioned risk. Yeah, I mean, there's a, in, in Japan, there's a, a super fan. There's a term for fans that, that are super fans. They're, they're called otaku. Uh, they go overboard. They dress like the characters. They are obsessed with these worlds. Um, what happens if they're too obsessed? I mean, that really depends on a person and it's, it's hard to say. There's a lot of worlds out there already that are engaging and, and have really active communities. Do we want to become like that? Yes. Do we want people to lose their sense of self in a world? No. Um, we want to create experiences for people that are, um, 
really exciting, new, innovative, unique, but that also kind of augment their real lives and don't take away from them. Is there an optimal age to play this game? Like you want people from eight to 80 playing or it's like more specific? We're 10 plus. Okay. Uh, I think 10 is kind of like, we, we've played with players as young as eight, um, but with 10, that's kind of like the, the starting point where okay. the gameplay starts to make a lot of sense. And uh, it's still really fun with people, you know, in their thirties and forties and fifties. So um, there's different windows of the ideal group. I think it's probably better to play with people who are closer to your own age or cross-generational where it's like parents and kids. So you see this like being a family game or like friend game or like? We want it to be both. Okay. Um, we wanted to have the gameplay experience to have kind of uh, um, things that are attractive for, for both types. Okay. Um so what what's the, what's some mistakes you made so far in your entrepreneurial journey? Mistakes. <laughs> you, you can't say everything. It's hard to say because some of the mistakes that we made led us to the point that we're at. And even though they would have saved us time and money, um, maybe we would never have gotten here if it wasn't for those mistakes. Um, I think that yeah, this is a hard one to answer. It, it's. There are certain things that we explored from a tech perspective that, um, do you know what tech debt is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that left us with some tech debt uh, that I definitely would have done differently if I would have, even like back in October, if I would have had the knowledge I have now, I would have started developing in a different way. Um, so we developed an app for iPhone, okay. um, which means we coded in Swift, we use Xcode, and unfortunately, that leaves us t uh, excluding Android users. Mm -hmm. So if you've got an Android, you can't use our app right because now. Because Android, like, even though Apple, I'm an Apple lover, the fact is Android has like, what, 80% of the market, something like that? Yeah, and a lot of the people in the board game and video game space are Android users. Mm -hmm. So you automatically exclude those people. Yeah. Um, so if I would have gone back, I would have started immediately developing for a mobile web kind of platform like a web which, app yeah for mobile specifically yeah. though uh, which is where we're moving now so we're developing an app in unity um and we're aiming to launch that for a mobile web experience okay um but on the other hand having the ios app that's sorry i thought that was a call uh, that's live now is um gives us basically a really good idea of what the tech needs to look like on the unity side so uh, having all of that tech already written deployed tested debugged um is is really good for us too it's hard to say i mean what's what's the advice you have for like a new entrepreneur coming up well, it depends on what sector they're. Let's say they they have an idea that they haven't done product market fit. They have they have an idea, they have a little bit of money, and it's going to go from there. Uh, what are their goals? Are they trying to actually build a business, or are they just like trying to get something on their resume, or they're just trying? They, to, they want to build a business. They want, they want to build. Like, talk, yeah. talk to as many successful founders, mentors, investors, entrepreneurs as possible, family members, even people who are in unrelated businesses, talk to them about the challenges of business. If you've never run a business before, find out what it's gonna take. There's so many, um, what are they called? Um, uh, hidden stones under yeah. the water, right? Yeah. Where you don't, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. 
And mostly this comes in the form of legal, yeah. tax, accounting, the unsexy hiring, the unsexy all stuff. the stuff that runs the in the background. Stuff will fucking kill Marketing, you. sales, product market fit, go to market. Yeah, you've got a cool idea that, that you can get excited behind. You've got a, a way to explain this idea to other people that gets them excited too. But are you ready to be the CEO? Are you ready to be the person who's going to be running all of the stuff, the sales, the marketing. What's your sales cycle look like? What's your competitive landscape look like? Yeah. Are you Market ready to research. Put, are you ready to put in the legwork um, on the, yeah, the market research side, the roll up your sleeves and get the boring stuff done? You, yeah. Yeah. Um, I tell people all the time they want to be a founder, like, you know, like, my advice to you is like, go work for another founder, like work for another startup for like six months a year and learn as much as you can, then do your own business, right? Of course, most people are going to listen to that. They want to be, you know, start the own thing as soon as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you've, ne if you don't understand how it's going to make money, mm -hmm. then before you spend any of your own money, make sure that you know how your business is going to turn a profit. Yeah. And, um, if, <laughs> if you're not mentally ready to go through hardship, just don't do it. Yeah. It will eat you up and spit you out. So true. So true. Um, that's the unglamorous side. That's the unsexy side. Uh, when I was going through one of my accelerators, one of the mentors was saying, um, you know, 95% of startups fail, but everyone in this room thinks that they're in the 5%. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there's, there's like you said, there's some kind of mental insanity yeah. even, um, that kind of goes hand in hand with the foundry um, journey where you you have to have conviction in yourself and in your business that you are going to be the exception. I like to say sometimes like, you have to believe in yourself even when you don't believe in yourself, yeah. right? Even if you say, man, I, I, I suck at this, you still got to believe in yourself, right? No yeah. Oh, oh, and of course, be ready to hear no a lot. Yeah, all the time. All the time. And if that's something that you can't handle, just pack or, up. Or some version of no. Yeah. And if, the thing is, like, you got to be soft for no, but when they say something, it really means no. Also, don't think that it's easy to raise money. It's incredibly difficult to raise money, especially from VCs. They, and the thing is, like, you don't realize, like, it doesn't matter what the economy is like, it's hard to raise funds. Like, even back when in 2020, they give money away, most people did still not raise money, right? Yep. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how the economy is. Like, I think 1% of people raise VC money is incredibly hard, right? Yes. Because I, I have a friend who's a VC. I think it was something like, he's out of Miami. He's like, I have every thousand pitches, he might invest in one. Yep. So 999 people pitch him and get a no. He only says one. I think he invested like, I think he does five investments. You get like a real small fund, right? Yeah. Things like, I want to see he's like climate check, right? So five investments per year, talking about 5,000 people. Another big thing for people considering to found their own companies, especially in the tech space, if you're not a programmer, mm. if you don't uh, have someone who's on your team as a programmer, that's going to increase it's your so, costs. It's so much fucking harder. It's going to increase I, I, your I costs that, yeah. a lot. And like one, like I said, my tech channels, like some of the simple, like I had a great tech person, junior developer, right? Doing great things. She got a job offer from T-Mobile. I can't compete with that. Like, what can, what can I say, right? Stay on a few more months and I might get raised funds and pay you like half your salary, you get T-Mobile, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you don't have a developer who's on the founding team 
as a founder of a tech company, yeah, it's so hard. You're gonna spend a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure you you can attest to that. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've like I bootstrap. Like I've got free AWS credits. I've got internships. You know, but it's like bit by bit, right? You know, people of course people have disappointed me. Ghosted me. They've like. I would say stolen money from me, but it's stolen money from you, right? There's different things like people leave too early, too soon, but yes. And and I mean, a lot of times as a first time founder, you don't know what you need from the tech perspective. No. Like I said, I, I started building, I'm, this is my first time that I've tried to launch a company. I have another company that failed in the past and a successful consulting company that I ran for five years. Um, but when, when you're building something, um, you may not know that the way that you're building it yeah. is going to leave you with what's called tech debt, tech debt, which gives you problems down, down the, the road. road. Yeah. Or, or maybe you don't know what a user story is, how that works, you know? Yeah. Like when I first saw like tech people solve problem solvers, I just type tech person, code me AI that drinks bourbon, right? Yeah. No, no, it has to be like detail, detail, detail. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. The challenge, but it's a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. But like, I have another saying: sometimes you crush it, and sometimes it crushes you. Yep. Unfortunately, I found you get fucking crushed a lot. Don't get crushed. So, um, is there anything else that I asked you that I haven't asked you yet, or anything else you want to talk about? Mm, I don't know. We've talked about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like we went through the whole gamut of stuff: AI, simulation, yeah. business, philosophy, VCs, philosophy, Roman history, Roman history, all that brick and Morty. <laughs> All that good stuff. Have you watched the Solo Opposites? Uh, yes. Okay. I watched a few I, I, episodes. I just recently of that. watched that. Started watching that. Yeah. That's on Hulu, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's still weird to me to have the Rick voice playing the other person's voice, right? <laughs> it's like that's Rick. Yeah. That's that's, that's fucking weird, though. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, anything else? I think that covers it. it. Okay, cool. I um, think that's good. Thanks for your time. Before we get out, you can give us any advice or wisdom or anything you want to talk about. Um. So what I want to say is that we're coming into an age when it seems like so many things are possible and we, we can create anything we want. And yet these things that we're creating are meant to be addicting and obsessive. I think that it's important to find out your true essence and be, um, conscious of the mental health challenges and find your own way to to deal with it to stay sane and to um live your best life i guess nice. so uh thank you for your time david really appreciate it yeah my pleasure my pleasure thanks for having me and so listeners a reminder we're doing the crowdfunding campaign at kevin's hr also have a hackathon going on in the piss competitions reach out to me more 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 information on that thanks for your time today and remember to be great every day Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. Don't you know?